In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. I hope that you're all having a beautiful day. I hope the birds are singing, the wind is at your back, and the sun is shining. We are here with the one and only Ranga, who uh, we haven't talked together for a, for a while. He's been uh, traveling the globe since the last time I've seen him a little bit, and he's taken some trips not only to the outer world, but some trips in the inner world as well. So, Ranga, I'm so stoked you're here. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me here. I think, uh, yeah, I can tell you in terms of it's been close to a couple of months or three major trips, I would say. Don't want to specify outer runner. It, mean, it all means the same. But uh, yeah, it kind of uh, slowed me down even bit in a very good way because I feel like I need to slow down to appreciate what's going on. Yeah, if I'm not aware, I'm just rushing. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in what's going to happen in the future or, you know, I heard a quote one time that said, yesterday is the past, tomorrow is the future, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present, you know, and it helps you just kind of stay like, oh, I'm so thankful to have what I have right now. But why don't you tell us about these trips? I mean, you want to start with an inner trip, an outer trip, or you want to start with the language of what a trip is, you know, or what do you think? I I wasn't uh, traveling much in my younger days. So I always had this idea that I wanted to travel to backpack and stuff when I, you know, was on my own. Let's say I went to for a foreign country from India, right? Like for a master's, I'm going to do the first thing in my summer vacation is backpack and stuff, which I tried to do. And it was quite interesting experiences because traveling teaches you a lot. You know, you met, you meet interesting people, different cultures, different way things are done. And, you know, you're more absorbing, you know, you're in a state of absorption. And especially when you travel alone, you don't have extra noises and plans, right? 
so that happens but i don't think that interest stayed with me for a longer period of time it stayed until my first psychedelic trip which you know directed me in words and for some reason i can't get myself to be too much fascinated or excited i would say uh then i think about traveling outside so i do not go out of my way to make plans for travel right so yeah which means the thing that oh i think you muted yourself nothing maybe is it me hmm can you hear me i can't hear at all there we go oh there we go oh yeah i'm just going to remove that thing okay okay are you able to hear me fine now i can okay so yeah between the last time and now i think i've had uh, three trips one of them being um, mdma for the first time and uh, that was just uh, mind blowing in the sense that i I've, i've read reports on what mdma does right so that is always even if you do not have these expectations there are subtler expectations that comes right but to experience that and to just understand how it is helpful as a medicine right uh, practically understanding that this is a beautiful medicine was amazing that experience putting you in a state of awareness where you're not so you know how uh, with a psilocybin or 4ac or dmt you and i have talked about we get into this place where you know we can play with these thoughts without being attached to this there is a state where we can invite the thoughts play with it and get into a deeper state of thinking without being burdened by it right you know normal days we might not be able to differentiate our thoughts versus what is actually you know important imaginative thing versus the actual reality problems right but what i found difference with mdma was it got me to a state of awareness where i just couldn't think so what remained at that point was just i was just fascinated by things i was listening to music you know and uh, at this idea that in mdma you're moving or sorts so i think i kind of wanted to see what happens when i move all these tinier details which i'm not paying attention to in my daily life because i'm as i said i'm busy with something right so i cannot be worried about my la- tiptoe what what's happening <laughs> in the end of my finger right so these things be- got to the surface and it was there was no thought about it you're just like ha huh. <laughs> and you're like this innocent kid who's just you know yeah you want to call it a state of love it was beautiful and it was not the way of uh, a physical kind of love right it was a more of emotional state where you don't want to act on it you just understand that it's a state and you you're just there and then um what i had would be 90 to 100 mg of mdma since it was my first time and i think 3 years after the trip i uh started with weed vape and the, the come down uh, the what happened after that was very similar to a psychedelic come down so have you had those combination mdma and cannabis i have i've i haven't done mdma for a few years however my experiences of them were like an incredible body sensation tied together with 
full body awareness. And I, yeah. I think maybe that has to do with the oxytocin or maybe the large amount of serotonin that's just released. But it's it's fascinating. I, I, I do feel as if I was able to communicate much more effectively and especially with other people, I really felt this true sense of connection with anybody that I was around or I was speaking to. And it had completely like it had completely diminished my my ability to build barriers. Like I felt as if the, in some ways, like if I take like LSD or psilocybin, it it obliterates boundaries in a way where. I don't see myself up against something, but the MDMA boundary was more of an internal boundary where like, I didn't feel like I had to, you know, put up any sort of front or protect myself. So it was, they were both boundaries shifting, but they were different sorts of boundaries. And I, when I did come down, I would smoke a little bit of cannabis and I felt that it brought back those sensations. It would intensify that trip and give me like another sort of mini trip from it right there. But the thing with MDMA for me was that on day two, so I would take it and then the next day I'd be okay. But the, the day after that, I would, they would call it, we would always call it being e-tarded because you just feel like, oh, oh, I could be banging into walls. Like, what, what, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I'm all clumsy. And, you know, maybe that's a deficiency of whatever neurotransmitter that you were really soaking up at that point in time. But yeah, it's a phenomenal way. And, and I think that that's why they have so much success with using MDMA for relationships. It really does break down those barriers. And it is just this all-encompassing body awareness and everything feels so good. And you really can bond with people. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing experience for those that are in the right frame of mind to take it. So I, I, I did kind of take that. What, what's your take on the boundaries there? I think you got the same gist of what I was mm -hmm. going to eventually say. For example, I, I feel like psychedelics in, let's say, uh, psilocybin or LSD kind of encompasses the MDMA trip. Like, I feel like there is a way to reach the state what is offered by MDMA using LSD or psilocybin. But it's just that you need to put in a lot of effort. As you said, like, yeah. what you have to see with the barriers coming up, right? Like, you need to do that, right? I, I tend to see psychedelics a little different than MDMA in ways where it's more of a self-improvement tool. It's not a beginner's journey, right? Mm. MDMA could be something where I, I understand why it is very specific for, I mean, very helpful for PTSD people because it is forgetting that state of love. It's not just that you do you simply don't remember what it is to be just innocently aware of yeah. things you're you're we're caught up right like when we have some trauma-based uh, problem right so i feel like mdma gives you the glimpse of what it is like what the state that we have forgotten and psychedelics can be the tool to show those barriers where you can work on every day right i for some reason during my mdma there was no specific insight of what i can do in my life to change the way in my sober sense mm -hmm. what can i do different to change right it wasn't there but as soon as i had weed that's why i felt like the come down was pretty um psychedelic come down similar to that because a lot these barriers were coming up and you're aware oh this is how this particular barrier is stopping me from 
you know being in my natural state i'm being judgmental of this criteria and being judgmental of that so yeah and uh, i i read this uh, post once uh, by a clinic which is trying to give a little bit of mdma before psilocybin to uh, avoid that uncomfortable come up that psilocybin <laughs> sometimes has right and it made sense mdma provided this platform right where you to call it safe and comfortable it's like it's so beautiful there and then you can you know when you take psilocybin it takes you from there so you don't feel like there is a rapid shift in perceptions right so basically i feel like come up for me i've always felt or at the end of the day it's all physical sensations i just feel really uncomfortable in my stomach or this feeling of like oh, i just want to cry i just want to i don't want to I, i why am i doing this right the come up phase but i also feel like the more you're trying to be equanimous with the come up the better the trip goes to yeah yeah so it's uh, so mdma can provide that place where you're not too judgmental of your own come up with psilocybin so <laughs> i could see that point see i think that this provides fertile ground for the next I don't know, 20 years. And, and let me be clear. Like, I think that each type of psychedelic or plant medicine is like a tool in a mechanic's tool bag. And I think that the psychiatrist of tomorrow or someone that runs a wellness center, like a, a Cole Butler, will be able to use these tools. If you see someone with PTSD and you're able to sit down with them for a few sessions and understand, I mean, thoroughly understand what they're going through, then you know what tool to use you know do you use a scalpel or a pipe wrench because those are two yeah. different tools you know what i mean if if someone is struggling very difficult in a relationship you got to figure out okay is that because this person has seen some horrific things are they upset at themselves or are they upset at the other person but once you figure out those things you can say okay look i think that the best possible treatment here is going to be a round of psilocybin followed up by a couples therapy with mdma and i think that those textbooks could begin to begin To, could begin to be written soon and i think it starts with experiences like you've had i think it experience it, it happens with experiences like common people out there and this is where i think it gets really really exciting because we are pioneering a way forward and those people that may not have a degree that is of a phd level but are very experienced in psychedelic substances i think that they can contribute an incredible amount they should be publishing papers they should be writing journals and they should be getting this work out there because those are going to be the notes that the future people turn to so it, it just it makes it exciting for me to get to hear about your experience and and the using of the two together i, I don't know how sold i am on the MDMA before the psilocybin, but I could understand wanting to ease the come up a little bit, but I, I don't, I'm not, I could imagine that the interaction of those two probably feels phenomenal, but because I haven't experienced it that way, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess I should try it to, to go that way, but you should definitely. So yeah. the, I told you three trips, right? The third trip right. was this where um, it was 50 milligrams of MDMA. which was uh, taken at 2 hours after the initial ingestion of 50 micrograms of lsd right and then uh, and an, almost an hour later mdma so that's 3 hours after lsd i think i took 0.5 grams of uh, uh, penis envy so there was pretty strong wow 
And um, yeah, it's it, all it, in it, one session. Yeah, it was three. Okay. Within the three-hour gap, right? Okay. And the okay. Just went on till, and everything wasn't too much of a dose, right? right. And uh, I, I wanted to experiment. Like I used to yeah. have this judgment. Uh, maybe eight months back, the first time I went to Aerovid or something, and uh, people had this combinations, right? And I was like, who does this? Why don't you have respect for psychedelics? Take one at a time. What the fuck? Right? Like and. You know, and after LSD, I think my partner and I, we were talking and it's like, ha, huh, these are judgments again. Like, comes up, it comes up. And uh, this time, uh, I just, I was very curious because I was reading this uh, thing. That That is a name for the combinations, right? Uh, do you know about it? Candy flipping? Yeah, candy flipping. And then uh, the candy flipping is just uh, psilocybin and LSD, I think. And then, um, yeah, the combinations, they have different names. But what, what basically happened was LSD at 50 MCG is kind of um, not microdose, but it's not too right. much of intoxicating, right? It, you, right. You're still, your language is still sound. You're still able to do a lot of things very efficiently. And after that, MDMA again didn't suddenly shift the perceptions. But what they were doing was provide such a comfortable platform on which I feel like the shrooms took the trip. And at that mm. time, 0.5 gram shrooms was beautiful. It was enough. It was sufficient. And yeah. uh, and after that, I think for four hours or five hours, it was pretty intense. And yeah, I mostly have a lot of um, music listening <laughs> on my psychedelics because that, that is no because it's just purely there with the each tone of the sound right the whole music changes what what i'm listening to and uh, that went for four hours and the come down again was so gradual because the lsd effect stays for 12 hours and mdma is so on so on psilocybin for five hours and these have this uh, combinations working out in a very magical way and there is no i i felt like that was one of the most easiest trips because usually when I've taken uh, things alone at higher doses, there is always this part like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Shit, I, do, I don't want to do this. I, I have this. I, I could have just, you know, smoked some weed, watched some movie, done something else, right? Like, why am I doing this? But I think that was the first time in a trip where there was no none of these questions. I was like, wow. And also the best part is psychedelics do make you in such a way that you cannot repeat that immediately you know even though i've heard mdma can be addictive just because you're combining this in such a unique way you don't want to take it the next year or the next right. week like you just simply don't it's not like smoking a cigarette where you're slowly building up this addiction it's just the the neurons that are responsible for addictions is simply not happening with these psychedelics yeah, so I, I think really try the combination. Hundred. It sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, I. You know, it makes me want. Like, I got a couple points. The one point I wanted to talk quickly about is this idea of taking, like, regardless if you took any one of those drugs. There, for me, there's a processing period afterwards where even though I may not be high. Like I'm still getting the effects. I feel like I'm still having or at least trying to piece together the abstract thoughts to make sense of them. 
And for me, that's a, it may not be as intense as the peak, but it's really rewarding because it helps me put together like that missing piece of the puzzle that I was missing. You know, when you have like a, a puzzle and you're like, I can't figure where the, is that a corner piece? Why is it all black? Right. You know, you, oh yeah, it fits like that. So for me, it's like a week after I still have these insights and I feel if I rush it, if I do a big trip on a Saturday and then I, you know, I was going to do something on a Wednesday, I would, I would alleviate that possible insight that I would have if I just took time to process it through that way. But yeah, I, I think that that is a very interesting process of taking those three together at any point in time when you took those three together what, did you feel like they kind of came in and melded? You, that's the way it said. Or was there ever a time you felt like they were fighting each other? No. Oh, they were like <laughs> friends. So I, I was having the start where I am the platform. Instead of they providing platform, I'm the platform for them to meet. Oh, I right? like that. So it was more like they were they were meeting inside me. So what was happening was that, and there's no fight there. Simply right. not. And with respect to what you said about the insight, it's uh, so true. I, I think it's what people refer to as afterglow, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just a word that I have with my friend. I don't yeah. know. I, it's it's a thing, right? So, afterglow is definitely. It, I think it stayed there with the combination of this. It just stays, right? And once you start integrating some kind of a practice into your daily routine, and you're you're uh, slowly making those changes to integrate this, and it's so true. You. If you if you do have that one more trip immediately, uh, you're not gonna get the full benefits yeah. of a psychedelic. You you should give it time for um, yeah the insights do slowly come up because you're I I feel like we become more observant, so the barriers take time to come right. So before the barriers comes, doors of perception we are standing on the other door. So we get something. Yeah, you always get something out of it, and the, I think. Uh, 2021 was a year uh, where there was no trip mm-hmm. and I, I saw how things were different then. It's not just that psychedelics are essential once in a while. You can let go of them as a tool, but I wasn't there at that point. So I realized after a year, the barriers came up really quickly. And then I think I went two trips back to back and I felt not so happy about it. Not because like I'm abusing the drug, more so like, I, I know I could make more use of it. You know, right. it's all about the timing. You can extract so much more if you just wait for the right time. Right. And uh, that's so true given, given these drugs. And I, I don't know, I will, I will definitely encourage you to make that uh, you know, decision and try to give it a day and you can go for the same dose and I can, you know, we can talk. Yeah. You feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It makes me think as you were talking about your year off, like taking a year and then going back to back, you know, I started, I started thinking about my own habits of specifically psilocybin use. And the more that I, I just kind of came to me, but you know, the same way that the psilocybin, when you take it, like if you take a healthy dose or even a smaller dose, but a dose that you can feel it comes in waves, right? Like it's, it's one wave hits you and you're like, Oh, I'm tripping. Okay. I'm not so much. Oh, I'm tripping. You know, and it, and it intensifies like that. I kind of feel like that's the same way. It's almost like a microcosm. That's the same way I've been taking mushrooms. Like I'll go through a phase where I'll take it, I'll take one dose in like three months. And then all of a sudden I'll take two doses in two months. And then I'll take, I'm going to take a dose every weekend. 
and then I back off. So it's almost mm -hmm. like it's a it, it's following that same pattern in the way I take it as the way it hits me. But I I didn't think about that until just recently. I'm like, you know what? It kind of comes in the same type of waves. But you know, I I had this other point that I've I was I found myself sucked into Carl Jung's Red Book. And because I'm a mere mortal, like I, I had to buy the accompany reader, you know, <laughs> but I've, I've dug down and I found this point and I want to get your, your opinion on it here. So I'm going to read a little blurb right here. Young introduced a distinction between interpretation on the objective level in which dream objects were treated as representations of real objects and interpretations on the subjective level in which every element concerns the dreams themselves as well as interpreting the trip. So that now, now here's my part. So Carl Jung is talking about the objective, the way we interpret things on an objective level, the way we interpret things on a subjective level. But then he gets into the ideas of interpreting things on a collective level. And yeah. I'm wondering, like, maybe that's what's happening when you're at the height of a psychedelic trip is that you are beginning to interpret the world around you on a collective level. You know, it's like you, so many people have similar insights and so many people have this feeling of oneness and so many people have this feeling of being in touch with the world around them. I'm wondering what you think about interpreting the world around you on a collective level versus an objective or a subjective level. I think the, uh, when it involves psychedelics, now that you're talking it, I'm trying to give it a thought in that aspect, but I've always felt it's uh, more of the objective sense where regardless of any person and their ideas, collectivity, it's still like subjective, just it's collective, right. like language, <laughs> right. right? So right. you're talking, it's a, it's a collective assumption that, you know, this word means this thing, right? Sure. Semantics. Yeah. And um, it's still subjective, right? So collectively, it's still subjective, but objective in that part that psychedelics, again, my, my point of view, right? It puts you in a state of awareness that is not attached to any kind of relativity. So I, I mean like higher doses and deeper states of meditation. Yeah. I mean, not you, you can, you know, interact with the world on psychedelics. That's not what I'm saying, but there is a potential for psychedelics to offer you a state which is beyond duality right yeah. and uh what i feel like happens on the collective level is more most people are able to retain what they felt the state of oneness right and these are approximations towards the truth right it is not the actual mm. thing right? the menu menu is not the food right it's like <laughs> that. and um so we collectively uh come up with this thing and to, to discuss our ideas and so on. And again, at subjective level, it's, yeah, it can be whatever, how you perceive. Yeah. I often wonder, I, I often wonder what the discussion be between Krishnamurti and Jung would have been like, because I think Krishnamurti has that idea of like, you can't interact with the world. You're just projecting onto the world. Like, so you yeah. can't have a relationship with the world, but you know, yeah. Carl Jung over here is like, wait a minute. So I, I just, that would be a fascinating conversation to hear. I, I did have this other crazy insight that I wanted to run by you to see what you think. Yeah. So I took, I did this experiment where I was taking like somewhere between a half a gram and a gram a day for 30 days. And it, it, you know, not a micro dose, 
but like not a macro dose either, you know, definitely a dose that you can feel. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, and, and while this was happening, like I, I, I was able to write down some really cool ideas or at least what I thought were cool. And one of them was this idea of the relationship between light and perception. And my, my idea of it is this, you know, it seems like on LSD or on psilocybin at times you find the pupil incredibly dilated. And I, I think of that, I think of the dilated pupil, like an open shutter in camera raw, like you're getting more information in there. You're getting more light in there. And we've read all these things like light has memory and there's all these crazy, you know, words in the lexicon or phrases like they were blinded by the light and move into the light and the, you know, all these things about light. And I'm thinking if your pupils are dilated longer, are you getting more information into the computer and able to process it? And maybe you don't thoroughly understand it. But might that be what intuition is? Like I feel when I'm on a trip, and especially during this 30-day 30, 30 experiment, like I felt like there was not only more of a connection, but I felt like I could read the world around me in a way that was almost foreign. And all I could attribute it to was, well, you could say, hey, you're just on a bunch of drugs, you big dummy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, or, you know, but I think that there may be something to the idea of the dilated pupil and taking in more light and taking in more information and thus understanding more. What do you think? Is that too crazy to think about? It's true. I, I see it the same way until the part where you told about intuition. So I definitely have wondered why does my pupils go so dilated? I just yeah. go and stand in the bathroom mirror and just like, ha. Huh. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder because all this information is coming and uh, what's happening is our normal processing system is not able to comprehend everything. So it's right. trying to put it as soon as it can. And that's why the hallucinatory effects, right? So right. what's happening is like just too much information, but the speed of the system is still not, maybe not enough. Rainbow you know, real. Parts different. Uh, like the shutter is wide open. Right. But the system is still like, Wait, we were just firing a bunch of neurons. What happened? Now I gotta work more. Like, dude, we're lazy. <laughs> so let me just put this bunch of things. And you know, we have this bunch of synesthesia happening. Like, right. wait, this is too much information. I don't know. I'm just gonna send it to the auditory nerve. But that was light from the eyes. Yeah, I don't know. Just have it, <laughs> right? And synesthesia happens. So that definitely happens. But when it comes to intuition, I feel like. Uh, what I believe is uh, it's just intuition is something that you carry in your body, right? The same way your body knows how to beat your heart, do the bubble movements, you know, urinary bladder and so on. You know, you it gives you the certain aspect of voluntary response like control and most of them are happening at a level that we simply cannot, you know, control. Yeah. Right? Same, same with language processing right most of the language is happening at the subconscious level right like we think of that this is what we want to talk about but we cannot talk about it our conscious mind is slow to keep up with the rapid pace these words are generated right and intuition on, in that sense would be something like close to how a heart is beating but it's just so subtle and i feel like we have so much noise right and what happens with cyclics with respect to what you are saying is you know when we get too much information and it overloads our system, then we are like receding, receding from that to our 
place of intuition like wait ha ah, this sound <laughs> i've not visited you because i thought the world was outside there <laughs> but you're here right and uh, the meditation that i'm following right now has so much to do with uh, perceiving the sensation aspect right so uh, whatever you're seeing in the world your body is reacting to it right your your senses are reacting to it and you are basically reacting to your senses that is kind of how they say well, like uh, that's how buddha defined it right or that's the hypothesis we have on the process right and when when i'm on these drugs I, it gives me more awareness of my body as you said mdma is a great tool for that that's why i feel like what you said with respect to body awareness i said with respect to the end of my finger <laughs> yeah yeah too focused on my normal day like until like oh yeah my nail is hurting or like something i'm not focused there right so you can be focused even when there is no reason to be focused after all there is no reason to things that we are doing anyways so <laughs> and uh, so when i get to that part of watching how my body is reacting to the world and how i am basically reacting to my body why have this uncomfortable sensations right and especially during the come up of psilocybin and it's beautiful what you did 0.5 grams to 1 gram every day so you did it every single day for 30 every days. day yeah nice. so i yeah. i am trying to do that uh, once a week so i have this 52 week plan for this year nice. right and i think three weeks it's been going <laughs> well i get i take 0.5 to 0.7 whatever you know that particular stem and cap is and right. uh how was the come up i know i'm shifting topics i want to get your uh, yeah. opinion about how was the how how were you feeling because i tend to feel that 0.5 to 1 gram can put you in very uncomfortable space more often than not is it true so what, i i didn't really have too much of a problem with it you know i i would take it i would i would cut it up really fine like almost in a powder you know yeah. i put it in a blender and then i felt that if you do it that way yeah that that it's much easier on your stomach. It's a it's a million times easier versus trying to gnaw up a cap or like chew on a stem or something like that. And another thing that I think is worth noting is that at least in my opinion, and this is purely subjective, I did not really feel any sort of tolerance at all. You know, which which kind of is kind of mind-blowing to me because I'm I'm so used to reading the literature of oh you should take it every 3 days you know or every 2 days or some people take it every 4 days and they talk about receptor burnout and all these things but for me I I took it and I felt it every day maybe maybe there's some confirmation bias there you know it's very yeah. possible yeah but you know I I didn't feel as if the come up was a problem at all um there were I could feel it at all but for me I think it's worth noting that come ups for me are never really bad there are times when they're worse than others but it's not something i notice every time and it you know it could have been the type of mushroom i was taking so there's yeah. a lot of factors in there but yeah i i would say some some major points that that i noticed on that besides the light in the pupil and the come up wasn't too bad um i i felt for me at least there was not a reduction in tolerance i felt a um I felt a like I'm a pretty weird guy anyway, but I felt as if I was sort of withdrawing 
a little bit from from my surroundings. So that mm-hmm. maybe you know, and I don't classify that as good or bad. I just I just something noticeable. Yeah. You know, like I, I felt as if, even though I'm comfortable talking to people and I enjoy that, yeah. I felt as if I did kind of want to just be with my own thoughts more so than than without it. Yeah. And I think it's it's worth noting. I ended up I ended up getting sick like on day 30. I don't know if because I maybe mm-hmm. I had a cold. I don't know what that did to my what if it did something to my um you know my my immune system or something like that. But yeah. um I, I remember before I got sick, I'm like, I should, I should just keep doing this. I remember being super stoked on it, you know. So yeah. But it's it's I it's a fun experiment. And I mean it's if if I think it's worth other people trying and, and yeah. writing down and and checking things out because i do think there's something to be said about long-term exposure to different states of consciousness and the subjective effects it has with you interacting with the world around you so yeah it was pretty cool you have any other questions about it i kind of like talking about it (laughs) Uh, i love that i i just wanted to ask that particular part because um, i i also tend to have the different uh respect with the method of ingestion i feel like if you're able to create those uncomfortable situations in a manageable range, right? Like for example, eat it acid. <laughs> like I tried to do that and it's so, it's just, you don't want to do that. Like I don't yeah. want to do that, but I'm slowly biting. I take my time five minutes because it gives me the chance to not react to what's happening in my mouth. Right. And I, I feel like that strengthens my non-reactivity to my things that are happening which by makes the come up in an interesting way, right? Yeah. Yes, I, I, I think when I did take that five grams, I was just it was too much shrooms to eat it. So yeah, it's I a lot. Drink it for the first time, and uh, at that time, I think the come up was so smooth. But you're right; I've not noticed it until now. But when you eat it, this whole lot of things happening in the stomach. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to see that as an opportunity because that may that sets the tone for the rest of your day. Right? Mm-hmm. How much are you able to not react to your own things? Because, you know, if you know on some level that this is not like going to last long or more like this is not too damaging your stuff, right. right? You don't need to go to hospital or stuff. Once that's cleared, it's just, it's uncomfortable sensations which are going to go away. Mm-hmm. So, that's so true. what am I going to do? All I can do is just wait for it to go away, right? And while, while I'm waiting, I can... Wait positively. I don't have to wait. Like ah, I I don't have to wait for it per se. Yeah, I can exist, coexist with it. But what does happen after an hour of ingestion is something magical. It's just. But for I found point five to point seven again. Penis envy is quite strong. Yes, really yeah. strong. Yeah. So it kind of like there is very minor hallucinations. Very minor. Like if I wanted to just keep looking at something and. Right. Like, yeah. That's changing. See it moving. Yeah, it it does move. But if I also want to think, no, I know it's not moving, right? A house right. is not moving. It has a good foundation, and yeah. it doesn't move, right? So it gives me, puts me in the range where, like, yeah, if you want, you want to have fun. It's like a remote control. <laughs> Put the hallucination channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, but I still have. Um, after that, I still feel like I get to a part of uh, maybe. Not tiredness, but the afterglow mm-hmm. are parts where at least for the next two days, I don't want to take in. Most weeks I work Monday to Thursday, long days. So right. I don't get the opportunity. So 
I kind of do it every weekend and it's um, it's been good it does i i feel like it's just like uh, any learning any instruments or stuff right as you said if you are uh, uh, recurringly in that state of consciousness it strengthens there right yeah. and it's about where you want to be like it, this world is you're free to do anything mm-hmm. you're supposed to be but yeah at least on some level that is that's that's the only freedom we have yeah i, yeah. I think that so the if we go back to the come up again real quick, it reminds me of something you had said in a previous conversation. You had previously spoken about a retreat that you went to where one of the objectives was to sit and not move your body regardless of what you feel. And sometimes in the beginning when you're like, oh, I just itch one time, you know, but then you said that you came to this idea of like, yeah, you just, you just sit with it. And I think yeah. that that's the same thing with the come up, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's going to be bad. It's going to bother you, but you just sit with it and then it goes away. And in some ways, it's it's almost like its own little meditation right there. You oh, know, everything becomes meditation after you know what meditation is about, right? Like, at least let if if may, many people argue that meditation is something you don't do, meditation does you. I, I I don't know, but the practice of meditation, what you're doing, trying to going and sitting for one hour or something, right? Based on based on whatever practice you have, so what you're trying to do in that one hour slowly kind of translates throughout the day right like if let's say you're focused on your breathing to calm your mind right most times when you lose it in the real world situations you just don't remember that there is a tool for you to remain calm mm-hmm. you do come back your come back to your senses after some time it's about minimizing the gap right but when you keep regularly sitting and when you see that that one hour thing you talked about if you're seeing that yeah if i'm able to stay equanimous to this not react to this what if i can do in the real world right when something is happening to you and you're reacting to that it's like oh i i do have a practice now of non reaction and i can do that and you come back to your senses more quickly that does happen and it's true the psilocybin come come up is pretty similar to what would happen when you have your blood not flowing properly in your leg after the end of 58th minute just want to move it like <laughs> like just a little bit just a little bit. The, i i think the nerve is pinched there right <laughs> yeah you should so, um, yeah you should just, uh, give it a try yeah yeah it, it sounds fascinating yeah i think too i you know sometimes one thing I like to do on my trips as I've gotten a little bit older and I've gotten more comfortable with the entirety of it is that, you know, I really want to, a few years ago, I really started wanting to bring things back from there. Like, what is it that I can learn? And one thing I've been able to do is I'll take my phone with me and in the, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to remember what happened. So what I've done is I'll, I'll have my phone in front of me and it's difficult to see the numbers and stuff sometimes because it's just all blurry but you can see the big red button so if you just hit that big red button when you're tripping your balls off and you say into the mic like the ideas that you have like oh i can see my life from 25 different reflections right now like if you can make some verbal notes or you get i think in the heightened state of awareness 
of a LSD trip, an MDMA trip, or a psilocybin trip, like you get to try on ideas that you would never get to try on in your regular consciousness. So the trick is to try and describe those ideas to your phone while you're in the midst of it. And so I would challenge people who want to thoroughly understand their own consciousness or thoroughly understand what's happening to them or what they're thinking of unconsciously to do that, to try to bring something back from the psychedelic state. I think it was Terrence McKenna who once said that your job, a psychedelic trip is like being thrust out onto the dark oceans of despair. And once you find yourself in the black squall, you must cast out your net and let it sink to the bottom and pull it back up. And so many times you pull up your net and it's just thrashed. But every now and then you pull up that net and there's a giant treasure in there and you take it back to the shores to share with the people. And I've always found that so powerful and compassionate. And I, I think that that's where we're at. And I think more and more people are doing that, whether it's your ideas that you've already explained with MDMA or, you know, Benjamin George over there writing books like No Absolutes or, you know, Kevin Holt or Paula Powell or, you know, Dr. Johnson talking about the symbolic images that confer information. And, but yeah, it's a fascinating time we live in. And speaking of that, I recently read a study, Ranga, about, um, so I guess DARPA is spending millions of dollars trying to understand if the psychedelic effects can be can help out people who are anesthetized. They're trying to take away the actual conscious trip and give people the psychedelic benefits while they're anesthetized. Have you heard about this study? And if so, mm, what do you think? It's quite interesting. I have not. So do you... Wait, if I'm not getting it wrong, do you take an anesthetic as well as a psychedelic at the same time? So they would put somebody under, like, you know, yeah. just put them under, anesthetize them, and then yeah. feed them the psychedelics, and huh. and then see if they are getting the same beneficial results versus yeah. somebody who doesn't get them. And the, the, one of the reasons they're saying that they're trying this is that, oh, well, people don't want to go through those difficult times. So what if we just put them under, give them the psychedelics, will they do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to do the work. I was talking to Cole about this. Yeah, I think you, it's you have trying to, to take a shortcut. Yeah. But I also feel that would work in the level that, uh, again, this was something that I kind of got introduced to during meditation, where uh, they talked about the level of awareness that we are usually in. So when I use, when I'm, when I still sleep, right, I'm, I'm completely gone. I just, there is, there is blank space or stuff. And because I smoke weed regularly, I, I have zero dreams or I don't retain dreams, at least consciously, right? So when I wake up, it's just, I feel refreshed. There is a gap that I'm just gone and I'm back, right? But when I go to a 10-day retreat and if I'm doing my practice properly, right? You're, you're becoming more aware of your body sensations. And when you do go to sleep, you're, you're not actually sleeping. You, you you have the ability to be aware of your sleep the whole night, right? It didn't happen for me the whole night, but even having the glimpses of, oh, wait, I know I'm sleeping, but I'm aware, right? It was a state where you're, you're clear. You're, you're just present. You know the body is sleeping, right? So I do feel like when psychedelics are given during anesthetics, the state of awareness is such a way that we're not tied just to the body. 
body is still sleeping but our awareness is not of this reality or this plane of existence so our awareness can do you know still uh, stay the same and uh, with respect to taking something back from the trip uh, it's a good perspective i think it depends on where you are at the journey right if you're a comfortable person who has had privileges wouldn't have to fight for stuff wouldn't have problems from society then of course when you go have a psychedelic trip you're going to have to take something back because it's about and for for me i felt like i was on the opposite sides where i was being told to follow these set of stuff like i felt like i had low self esteem i felt like i was short i felt like i was i had these issues right so what psychedelics offered me was oh this is the place i dropped them <laughs> so there is nothing to take i am perfect as i am so i can return empty handed right so it's that's what i feel like is different based on where you are at the journey wow like same with uh, there is this um, series called samadhi by daniel schmidt on youtube and gaia as well and it's beautiful it's a three episode thing and they are making episodes you know once in a while and uh, it's basically to get you to meditate that's the whole idea the word samadhi is about deep concentrated levels right so it's, it's an approximate explanation of what it actually is but basically what he says in that is um sorry uh, can you just start me where we were going from yeah um so we we we'd stopped i think we were moving towards cultural conformity of barriers yes. I oh, sorry <laughs> i just have been please <laughs> what what he was saying in samadhi was pretty much similar to this there are two uh, methods to these and one is via positiva and one is via negativa right and um, positive methods is these are not positive and negative as in good and bad or like harmful and you know not harmful positive and negative or examples are like yoga right you're going out there you're doing stuff you're doing stuff to reach deep states of consciousness different methods there are different practices where you have to learn a particular skill and to and then there are methods where you're receding i'm just going to sit mm-hmm. right so one of vipassana meditations one of those where you just you're receding from all activities you go to a dark room wherever you know you're sitting in complete silence you're not engaging you're not adding to more actions you're not doing this. so there are different methods for people and i've always felt attracted and i always felt it was the thing for me with respect to negative methods right and the same goes to the psychedelic trips right i just simply cannot there is nothing for me to take from that because that's my true state i actually have a lot of stuff that i have here now that all i can learn is to drop them yeah that that is that's fascinating i i never you know maybe that points to how small minded i am like i i have never really taken the time to think about and i don't how would you know i mean i, I don't know i guess i'm how would you know what other people think about on their psychedelic trips unless you asked them but yeah that's fascinating to think is it do you think it's a cultural thing like that this culture makes it makes sense if you have these you know if you've fulfilled maslow's hierarchy of needs up to you know point 3 
then your idea of the psychedelic trip is probably going to be different than someone who hasn't filled one or who someone who's at the peak right there. I, I guess people are searching for different things in different psychedelic landscapes. But what do you think are some other cultural barriers or some other conformities that happen between different cultures? Because you've got to spend your time like you're in Canada. You've gone to Western schools, but you were born in India. So like you've gotten to kind of bridge these different gaps. What do you think is some of the differences? Differences, I. It's um, it's hard to say those things because exceptions do apply to everything, right. and you know, you could have a. Let's just take if you're going to talk about white privilege or black people being, you know, on the bashing side, you can have a case where there is exception of a black guy who's who has raised in a privileged way and a white guy who was treated really horrible. So there are no actual cultural things that are happening except for the individual has to figure it out there on their own. Because whatever we can talk about will never reflect the true picture of what is actually going on, right? So, right. yeah. So personally, in my experience, I feel like, yeah, barriers were there. But, you know, I, have, I think I've stayed in this path for almost four years now. And that has strengthened my, um, at least knowing that this is what I want to do. Right. So what I would have considered as problems in my initial part of the journey are not problems anymore because, yeah, it's simply because you, you have to participate in that deeply enough and you have to be part of the problem, carry it for it to be actually a problem. Right. So the more you realize you have that power of dropping things, right. One of the things society might tell is that dropping these things is the negative thing. They put the whole you know, issue on the part that if you drop these things, if you drop these cultural things, traditional things, then you're bad, right? But it's actually sometimes when you drop this, it gets to a relieving state. So it's kind of like, you kind of have to experiment with what you're doing and it, it will take time, you know, because in a, in a psychedelic state, you're much clear of what is that you want to do, right? But it, takes what uh, a night of sleep and then next morning we are back to most of our habit patterns right and uh, it's yeah. gonna take some time some practice and a lot of uh, just focus on okay this is what i want to help myself truly because we can we can all if we focus on ourselves we can be truly free like Freedom is so much within us. It's not with respect to predetermined or free will. I don't care about that. Most of the life can happen in cause and effect. And like my decisions can be predicted, but I don't have to be affected by how my decisions are. Because I, it's, it's happening the same way how my heart is beating and so on. Like decisions happen, things happen. You don't have to take it as something personally happening to your, your personally doing. You can totally detach from the whole process of your own life. <laughs> just keep watching it and you know the funny thing like life moves forward mm -hmm. but in the worst case is death where you stop existing but rest of the time yeah there is there can be a lot of physical suffering and mental suffering and so on but there is still changes happening right life is moving forward things are happening and yeah i think it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice i think i had recently had an experience with um a fire which kind of uh, surfaced up a lot of fear of death right and it was it was great to have that because 
with that came a lot of compassion and you know a lot of my anger dropped like let's say the initial thing i had after psychedelics was anger towards let's say a system a particular way of things and uh, being rebelliousness was needed at that point to protect my boundary but you have to drop that tool also at some point for you to truly help yourself so i felt like i needed an experience in my life to drop what i was using as a tool let's say there was a point because people um, in my initial part of the trip the common question at least when i went to india was you shouldn't be doing this now you should be doing it post 60 right i think i would have mentioned it almost every time and it's it's funny and at that time you don't know you're still figuring out should i be doing this because i mean you have lived longer like you're 50 years old you maybe what you're saying is right so you're you're still confused so at that point there are certain defense mechanism comes up so some people give up their ideologies of what they saw in psychedelics and consider it oh it's just hallucinatory drug real life is different right so for me it was just lucky that i considered what happened on psychedelics um to be my natural state so what the world was asking of me i didn't have to do it per se and it didn't matter because you're still like things just happened right so i was lucky on that aspect that i was able to know this is what i want to do so i had a lot of anger to let's say if someone asked like the fuck you know at this point because don't forget i am still like trying to figure out why are you you know bothering me like i am trying to understand this so now i feel like i have gotten to a point at least with this experience that uh yeah i don't need to be angry like i that's again that that has become an habit pattern i i don't think any of the people who talk to my parents or relatives who is going to talk to me actually bother me but they were this is what cultural issues would be like 3 years back it would see, severely affect me right i'd spend days thinking if i'm doing the right thing now there is no question i clearly understand you have your point of view and same i have my own point of view and it simply you know when you ask someone what do you think about so and so and if they say an answer it's simply impossible for you to say you're wrong because the question was what do you think right, right? like and the whole life i feel like is about what we think and what we want to make of it so we can pick up things we can drop things whenever we want yeah that's that's sure well said <laughs> we just have to make sure we don't hurt anyone in the process right that's that's one thing the golden rule in all religions which i seriously believe any action that i'm doing so for example i think i saw this post on linkedin about etiquettes there was a 5 minute video of different etiquettes right <clears throat> and i was like so for me etiquettes was mm, was never there in india so we were free right and then the first time i had to go to a let's say a posher place with one of my relatives it was like i had to use fork and spoon and it was like i had to learn on the spot and it's fine and then after psychedelics i dropped all those i don't care this is how i eat like this is how i eat like what can i do if i didn't have hands would you expect me to have a fork and a spoon no you would understand so consider me disabled i don't care but i'm just going to eat the way i want right because i'm if you are getting bothered about this it's a place for you to work right and this is one of the things i initially add about my uh, 
like letting my hair grow most times people would say something to me let's say this happened in india 6 years back right so two months i felt bad and i went up and cut my hair so now i i just start growing and when again as i say like the more people are used to how you are they really don't care it doesn't bother right. what bothers them is the change the initial ah how can you i've seen a lot of you know shaved people why do you have a beard right that initial shock but if people keep seeing bearded people people keep seeing ungroom people people keep seeing you know people with no etiquettes it's fine it's that's a natural the world will be and you know same makeups right i truly believe like if we like drop all the aspects of trying to cover up that's how we provide opportunity same with why do we take psychedelics to strengthen the states of consciousness so you need to give people the chance to see as you are so that they get a chance to accept as you are if you if we keep covering ourselves of course the day we forget to cover it's going to be a ah why not today what happened are you okay imagine if a person is make putting makeup for weeks and weeks and one day they don't do people assume she's sick or they he is sick don't you think so i i felt so the day i haven't i used to shave every day <laughs> with my 25 pieces of hair like eight years back right and uh, if i didn't even even my dad my dad shaves every day compulsively and when he doesn't is like are you okay he doesn't do it on a important religious day or like you know anniversary day of you know death anniversary and so on but my my, my point being i all i realized was we have to give people the chance to see us we are <laughs> so lots of back and forths to doing that yeah it makes me think of the concept of masks you know like everybody's wearing this mask and yeah i wear a mask like i wear a mask of a truck driver sometimes or i wear a mask of a father or i wear a mask of a teacher or i you know <clears throat> and it brings me back to the ideas of when i think of culture and masks and covering up and etiquette and all these sort of things that we do to portray an image of someone we want to be there's a really good myth that i read um i forgot which tribe it was and i think it was in joseph uh, so, some sort of joseph campbell book i was reading and it was this idea and it was like in this particular tribe they the elders in the tribe you know they would every now and then an elder would walk to the tribe with a mask on one would be a scary mask one would be like a hat like a clown mask one would be a sad mask and from time to time these elders with these masks they would walk up to the children and by children i mean like ages like 7 and below and if it was a scary mask the person in the mask would scare the kid if it was a clown mask they would walk up and and do tickle the kid and if it was a sad mask they'd be crying and there was a series of other masks these are just examples and then at the age of 12 there was the the um people with the masks would break into the house of the child that was turning 12 and that they would go around the kid's bed and they would take the kid and the mom would come in and like the mom was in on it the parents were totally in on it and the the, the kid would be like ah oh, mom dad don't let him take me and they would take the kid and they would take him out of the middle of the street and the mom and dad would try to fight but they would let the kid go and now the kid finds themselves in a circle of their elders all wearing masks and the kids crying and ah freaking out and the the person with the scary mask would go into the circle and they would scare the kid the kid would freak out and then the the elder would take the mask off and show the child hey i'm your uncle 
And then they would take the mask and they would put it on the kid. The kid would be like, whoa. And then the next, the sad mask would come out and start crying and be super sad. And they would take the mask off. And then the kid would see, hey, it's my aunt. And then they would take the mask and they would put it onto the kid. And I just thought like, what a beautiful way to show the next people coming up. You, everybody you see, whether they're happy, they're sad, they're angry, they're upset, they're wearing a mask. And guess what? You wear the mask too. But what a beautiful way to show people in the environment and your surroundings. Like, this is how you deal with people like that. Hey, sometimes you should put on the happy mask and help people. Sometimes when you see someone that's scared, they're wearing the angry mask, but they're just masks and we're all the same. And I feel like we've gotten away from that in our societies. And I just, I, I tr actually tried to like get this thing going at my kid's school, but they were like, dude, you're weirdo. Knock it off, man. <laughs> but like, wouldn't that be a great way to show kids? <laughs> it's, it's quite an amazing thing. Like, you know, doing it. These are beautiful uh, parenting tricks, you know? Yeah. But kids, dad and mom are not the only parents, right? And you right. observe that in mostly indigenous culture, at least what I've read so far that parenting is something they do collectively, right? And uh, yeah. these are beautiful tricks to help kids not to think too um, permanently of situations that are actually very temporary and ephemeral, right? One of the main points of the meditation that I practice is the law of impermanence, that nothing stays. Mm. Everything is going to keep changing, changing, changing. And you have to, there is, a, we be more, most of us know, not most, like almost, let's say all of us kind of know that we're going to die, right? Yeah. We don't experience the urgency of life as such. Like the only way we get lost right now, I'm focusing every day. I'm not present. All I can focus is, I'm going to die. But knowing that doesn't help me. I have to do something that actually evokes that fear. Same way, we have to teach these at the right time that these are temporary things, you know, when we remove that mask. It's beautiful. Yeah. The more this happens, the kid is going to learn that this is the natural state of us, right? And we don't, when some people put on the masks for days together, those are times we don't get affected. Now, it's the opposite way. Like people who get put masks together, I mean, for, for a lot of days, that's a solid reality. That's how we should be. Like when know you, who you are is kind of misinterpreted that way. Like be yourself, mm -hmm. do not be your emotion, be your true self. But in order to do that, there is a lot of, you know, uncovering we have to do. But yeah. that's, that's the journey. So it's, you know, talking like this, it it's bring, brings out things that i could do better in my life and in that way i do agree with uh, krishnamurti what you said more more times i think it's it's very much the projection of us right. rather than actual interaction and what you said at the beginning of the conversation with respect to mdma i think we kind of stop the pretension we stop the projection and we actually connect <laughs> right it happens yeah. very rarely and uh, i used to not accept this you know, because there is always the spiritual ego that ah, I can connect better with people. But then the more, the sooner I accept these truths about myself, it's easier for me. Because things are not going to, just because I intellectually say that I'm better, I'm not going to be better. I actually have to do the work. And this kind of ties up with your um, thing about, uh, DARPA, by the way, is that uh, the defense thing? Um, um, the book? I'm sorry. No, no, no. The experiment you said about the anesthetics and the psychedelics, right? Right. 
that's uh, da- you said DARPA or something. DARPA, yeah, DARPA the is uh, they're like the the U.S. military government, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that one, as it bypasses the place where we can actually do the work, right? right? We we kind of uh, tend to do the work in our stages of suffering. Like when things are good, I don't think anything happens. Like yeah. I seriously feel like you just you're in a state of bliss. You experience it's it's all good, but nothing is gonna change. All bad things that might happen out of that is you can crave that state, but with no capability to do what's essential to do to attain that state without the influence of drugs. So yeah, yeah. it's fascinating to think about. I um yeah. <sighs> The, the DARPA one blows my mind because I think that you have to, you know, you have to see it, it's seeing the things that don't make sense that create that change, at least in my mind, like you have to have the difficult come up maybe, or, you know, or you have to have the thoughts about it, or maybe you don't have to have the difficult come up, but it is the, the change in the way you physically feel I don't know. Like the, the experiments, I'm, I can't wait to read them. I, I I think that there's an issue there, but yeah, I I, I feel I, like it's as small as hiking a mountain, right? Like okay. it's one thing getting lifted and put at the peak. Yeah, yeah, you can see, and but you're you're it's still not the same. You can feel ecstatic about it. Oh, I'm at the top of the mountain and so on. But the one who does the work of climbing every step is gonna feel different. It's right. these are inexplicable things, but what is actually happening at their level of consciousness is going to be uh, much different than getting dropped off at the peak. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I read this another uh, article yesterday. I didn't read. I just saw the title. Sorry. Right. But it said. Uh, I, 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 I think it went like people are inventing uh, drugs like psychedelics where uh, you can trip without tripping. Yeah, weird. And so how do we, you know, distinguish which part, like, for example, in cannabis, we have, you know, narrowed down these set of components, which kind of puts you high. And then there are components which, you know, helps with the bodily things, let's say CBD and THC, right? Right. But I don't know if we have still like we are trying to do that with cyclics, but it's just so funny to me because personally, I think weed seems simpler to do. It's psychedelics, it's it's just crazy. So which part is actually helping us is gonna be difficult to find. Yeah. Like I, you you don't know. It's not it doesn't have to be the excessive serotonin. Sorry, sorry for cutting you, but no, it no. doesn't have to be the excessive serotonin boost, right? Because there came a paper recently saying that depression might not be, you know, due to lack of serotonin as what we have believed so far, right? It could be. You you never know. So it might not just be that thing that keeps producing serotonin might be doing the trick. So what essentially does the trick and how we are going to, you know, narrow it and take it out. Yeah. And, and and the question comes, why do we want to do it? That's the important part. Like, why are we trying to do that? And I feel like it's, it's the part that is completely against our level of existence. Like in this plane of reality, uh, I used to think about this when I fill water. Uh, at my work, right? It's a very slow tap. It takes almost like one and a half minutes to fill this one liter, right? Like, and I'm like holding this. And then there is this thought. I want this instantly done. 
then about this where do i draw the line because then i want to instantly eat i want to instantly finish the work at 4:30 pm i want to instantly do this do this this then what is getting done i want me then we will instantly die so there is no life happening without, the whole life is happening during the waiting period right we are always waiting without you know being tied up to the result of the outcome of what we are waiting for right we can wait for things just yeah really really wait for things <laughs> it reminds me i read a quote on your on something you posted that talked about you know process versus goals and like we create these goals to get to but they're just an arbitrary thing like the actual the actual life is in the process and yeah. i i i read that right before i went to bed and then i had a dream about that like i woke up with this aha moment like oh my god it, it's just and it, it's not really that, even though I thought it was an aha moment, like it, more than I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's just what they were talking about. But it's just this idea of life is process. And it gets back to what you said earlier, like that is the freeing part of it. If you just realize it's not about getting somewhere, it's not about attaining anything. It's about the process of that, like the goal, the, the thing, the shiny object is more of of just that a shiny object where the process of getting to it is the real gold and yeah. that's the freeing moment and i think that that's what frees us is like hey that thing that you're that you're worried about trying to do you're doing it right now you should enjoy it cuz that's the thing you're doing it's just the thing you're supposed to be doing right now is the attainment of the thing it's not the thing at the end of the tunnel cuz there is no end of the tunnel there is no it's just a bright light you know it's yeah, but yeah it's 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 fascinating and i I must have read that right before I went to bed because yeah you know I woke up thinking about it but yeah it, it's the process it's the idea of of life around us unfolding in every step that's the beauty and if you can enjoy it if you can be thankful for it you yeah. know it's whether you're filling up a water bottle and having a few moments to to be there I don't know. I guess it's like the that this realization happen if I didn't have uh, if I had an instant water filler or if I had someone who would fill my water then <laughs> where am yeah. I actually stopping and reflecting right and uh, so yeah th- those are periods I think personally for me it has changed to observing so it's still not present moment you're not you're still thinking about present moment but I feel like for me I have gotten better in at least being here thinking about this then being somewhere else right like what can i do after i fill my water i think meditation changes that aspect so it's going to come especially when you sit you should try when you go and sit for one hour and sometimes you know your mind rushes and you realize time moves at the same speed but and especially when you go for the 10 day retreat oh it's so scary and it's so it's your peak boredom you know you want to like pull your hair you want to run away because you're sitting for this one hour set and suddenly you want to like do things faster right you're let's say you're aware of your sensations you want to get get it done and then this thought pops up okay i get it done i go outside pee and i come back and i sit again so what's <laughs> i'm just going to keep doing this for the rest 10 days so you when you create that space you actually you know add these things the same what you said with taking uh, shrooms almost every day right what you want to see as a withdrawal from the surrounding it's beautiful that you see it as a not a good or a bad thing you right. know it's it's a neutral thing is it is as it is and we can use it for our own uh, you know good 
when when it is bad is because is only cases where you know you're at a place where people are drowning and people are getting hurt and you just watch like nah not today i'm going to enjoy myself <laughs> those are the moments but more more often than not if you're consciously if things are fine it's totally it's one of the best things we can do given the amount of distractions we have withdraw yeah and it's necessary i think there's so much competing for our attention and that maybe so this brings me to a quote one of your friends brought up your friend adrian gerlach brought up this quote that says robot dogs are guarding events and students are asking if chat gpt can write their yeah, lab reports you know what an interesting world to be alive in like yeah. there's so much distractions like look at all this happening like what do you think about when i say that quote beautiful before we go into this uh, yeah he was he was my professor at for my master program okay i am so thankful to him till till date like that would never go because uh, i did zero work and he didn't uh, remove me off he was always uh, you know very helpful very open minded he was you know i've heard before coming canadian or nice people but you could meet you know again these there is always exceptions to rule but he was like whatever ideas i had he was that person and you know regardless of the things that i've done he still you know helped me complete my masters and that's the only reason i'm still here in canada because there would be no other way to continue living here so i'm so th- i i i think i was one of the things uh, i had towards him was so much guiltiness until like 2 years back or even till last year then i one day i thought this is enough i'm going to call him and then we talked about how how it was the worst investment that he has ever made for a student <laughs> he could have spent that time and money on someone else and anyone would have done a better job but you're coming back to that it's it's it is funny right like uh, it's just interesting times we live in and with respect to chat chat gpt i see a lot of uh, peop- writers especially uh, coming up with this uh, this week has been very interesting for me i just can't stop thinking about it my job is going to be taken away by chat chat, chat gpt <laughs> i still haven't personally used it but i did read a lot of things posted on linkedin and it's quite interesting Have you yeah. and did did you do anything with ChatGPT? I haven't I haven't done. I've spoken to many people who have and I've yeah. heard some interesting ideas about it. And and I on one level on one level I just I still think it's like a compiler. Like it just goes out and like takes other people's stuff and puts it together and I guess on some level I could see how it can be a threat, but I I don't I see it more of a tool. You know I see it more of like something people can use to build upon like a platform and you know I've I've seen some interesting people I I think it has a problem with understanding reality and truth and I I I spoke to one gentleman who had asked it why washing machines were able to get Donald Trump elected and it gave this reason why washing machines had played a pivotal role in getting Donald Trump elected. So it doesn't really have a good grasp on like the true reality of what's happening. And I think that the more people once people get over the the ah uh, the uh, once they get over that of it they're going to go, 
Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's one more thing about us humans, right? Like uh, the immediate change, we we react yeah. to the immediate change, and then once it becomes a normal thing, like yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my my bills are consistent. I would rather be focused on that. Right. Um, <clears throat> I I still think like these these features. If you personally ask me. i i would do the same with respect to what you mentioned the chat chat gpt compilers doing like i basically i do not have new ideas i see yeah. the world i put things together and that's what the machine is doing and pretty much i feel like that's what's happening like there is um, you know what we call as inventions and discoveries or inventions are just uh, hidden discoveries <laughs> mm, yeah yeah so it's just uh, that is nothing we invent things are that we just play with the combinations and so on and uh, i think it's a good starting point if we have something that is going to keep doing that and eventually one day like ah i can put any two pieces together without having that limit condition <laughs> yeah in some ways i think it's i i feel like sorry yeah i i i'm sorry i your voice got delayed continue please I, I I was just saying like I think that that much like what you're saying it's not so much about us inventing new things as it is just new combinations of things and if you look at it from that angle it's not really taking away any writer's job it's just allowing them to change the way the the outcome is going to look you know you're just you're just switching the order of things and so the the the, the right who's a talent the talented writer is just going to be able to use this as a new combination of things moving forward and if you if you pan back a little bit and and see okay the same things happening with artwork the same things happening with writing so it's it's not so much that we're the future is going to be it's not so much you can get a good look at what the future is going to look like by understanding that we're putting together new combinations of things so yeah you know you're still going to be you're still going to be in the ring throwing punches but you're not going to throw a left left right now you're going to throw like a uppercut right right knee to the face you know what i mean it's just going to be a different set a different set of combinations so I, maybe if you put it in terms of language like you know you 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 can't come up here's a here's a good thought experiment that i think emb- embraces it if i ask you to create a brand new monster ronga can you do it like tell me a monster that never existed that you just made up tell me one right like make one up for me right now ego <laughs> okay there you go well done <laughs> that's it that's it that's yeah, what it comes down to i guess but you're right about what you said with um, chat gpt it's, it's it's all tools it's the unique the, the combinations of these things one doesn't replace the other that's what we always think right, right. like uh, you know that f- fear is fear leads to the thought but when we are in a state of love we see possibilities we don't see extinction we see possibilities like okay right. this is that so how can i aid him or her or how can they aid me right like Thing. now we just have a distinction between like oh humans can help each other but uh, ai we 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 just 
talk in a very primal level of like they might take over us what's taking over we're, we're already taken over <laughs> we're either taken over by something or the other you know <laughs> right something happens in the sky something happens to the whole planet we're gone we're taken over so doesn't matter <laughs> enjoy the time we get do do things what we can yeah yeah it's so true it's so true it's just it's just part of us it's just another dimension opening up for us to explore Definitely. and it's going to it is whatever you say it is. Oh, is it is it is it a demon? Yep. Is it an angel? Yep. <laughs> it is. The choice is yours. You know. Yeah. But the tiny part is where I think uh, our freedom lies. Most of the things can be very predetermined, right? Like I would I've been interested in reading the spiritual side of how they are trying to arrive at this predetermined notion of the world. You know, in which karma works, where that you cross that line of having that awareness to say enough of karma i'm going to take up my thing but then the cause and effect just doesn't stop like that still contributing to a lot of things right but it's still you you define freedom in that space of predetermined motion it's the paradox i believe like both exist at the same time i have zero free will and i have complete freedom yeah yeah and it's amazing like again that's one more thing which is freeing right when we think about journey rather than the destination because destinations are i was never fascinated by destinations because one i didn't go to so i was always craving for it <laughs> but i was craving it so much you know with so much expectations when i went there it was so fleeting because like you know old bus ride let's say if i'm going to go to a beach i'm thinking about it then i go to our beach it's still not enough for me i want more right i want more so it's not enough so what do i do <laughs> right so i have to change where i can get these whatever i was looking for at the beach am i able to get it everywhere then as you said it all becomes it it becomes freeing so i have this yeah. t-shirt see thank you thank you thank you for nothing <laughs> i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> further away appointment there's a lot going on there you know it, yeah. it, it reminds me i i uh <clears throat> i once heard someone talking about a bumper sticker but the story is someone saw a bumper sticker that says um man thinks god knows god knows man thinks you know <laughs> there's like a lot going on there like you know <laughs> does that like <laughs> it just reminds me of your shirt thank you thank you for nothing there's a, there's like how do you interpret that like how do you interpret when i first heard that story like you know uh man thinks god knows is, does that mean that man thinks that god knows everything or does that mean man thinks that god knows you know but it, it just comes down the point yeah. i'm trying to make is interpretation whether it's yeah. a trip to a destination or whether it's a trip that you go on internally like yeah. you know it, and it gets us back to language like you know this i sometimes i think it's weird we talk about the psychedelic experience as a trip because it is on all aspects a trip like you're going somewhere or you think about when people get high like what does it mean to be high well usually it means that you're looking down at yourself and how many times i've been high so many times and thought about my life from a different perspective that could be considered getting high so yeah. i just think that there's a lot in the way we see ourselves there's a lot in the way we see the world and maybe it just comes back down to language and thinking and 
being thankful for nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't agree with that part. Thank you. Thank you for everything would be something I've changed. But the class or whatever itself, I 100% support. We bring up yeah. our own disappointments. I think this is something again, it's very common. It, it, it's a very common reminder to me because on psychedelics, one thing I've noticed it is at least consciously, I do not have expectations at that moment. Mm, right? That's a great point. At least consciously, yeah. right? There could be subtler notions of these expectations of this is how things should be, but it, it frees up the space in your, uh, you know, consciousness, right? And uh, I, I'm not disappointed. And so when I, when I, when I'm sober and I get disappointed or any kind of uncomfortable, I'm like, huh, what expectation did I have? Why did I think things would go this way? Right? Like, uh, huh, let me see. Right. And it's, it's so hard. Like the moment you're not aware of just what is aware of what are the unspeakable, you're just gonna have expectations. You're, you you're, you're gonna play it out based on the past. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to that that thing is there in DNA and and even I I am like fifty fifty on reincarnation stuff, but I believe in the part where so much information is carried in DNA, right? And it's been passing for years and years and years, and without the right set of people doing the right set of you know untangling stuff, you just have a lot more work to do. Your there is reactions happening at very circular levels right and um with respect to this uh psychedelics uh, just another thought popped up yeah one of the things uh, what meditation was explaining at least the teacher sn goenka was explaining was our subconscious is reacting and when you stop reacting the subconscious you become conscious of your subconscious it's not subconscious anymore right you you'd start teaching your the subconscious is handling information based on past events right it has to survive so this is how we re- reacted last time so i'm going to react the same way and energy is being consumed every single time right and when you're meditating and when you get to that part your subconscious your body is reacting to the pain your body is reacting to this particular form of sensation or oh, this particular thing i don't want and when we stay with it it is hard but when we stay with it i feel like that subconscious space that is reacting now turns up to you and says, oh, you're present now. I give up the power to you, right? That creates mm. that space. So what was, if you want to see it as a vertical uh, thing, your conscious space processing is this much, right? And as you go down, 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 you have more space to handle information, right? And once you create enough space, so when in a real life situation, when a reaction is happening, you tend to see it as a subconscious doing, and you tell your, you talk with your subconscious rather than interact with the world and say, oh, you're not supposed to do that. That's unnecessary. <laughs> because it's for a human. And it comes back to tickets or whatever, right? Dressing and so on. Because uh, instead of people telling other people, oh, you're making me uncomfortable. Like, no, I simply cannot make you uncomfortable. Your subconscious is making right. you uncomfortable. We tend to see to our subconscious and say, I'm here now. Why are you reacting? Right. And then all the subconscious wants is like, oh, I need you to be here. I Just because you're not here, I had to do this work. I don't like working. So if you're here, well and good. And slowly, 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 when we stop reacting, reacting, reacting at so many, you know, levels, 
think it just frees up our consciousness to process information in a very uh, healthy way or in the way it's it would be where you know you're just there yeah that's really well put i i've never thought about it from that angle before but yeah it's you know so many times it's so cliche to hear someone in a lower state say things like see what you made me do or anytime people anytime you say that someone else is responsible for your anger for your pain for anything like that's that is a ridiculous statement because only you have the ability to make you feel any way at all right like that that that's the reactive state where you're allowing someone to have power over your feelings that's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous but i never thought about dna and karma being linked like that like it does make a lot of sense that the way in which the people who came before you were tr- were trained or you know had a stimulus response you too would have that stimulus response if that was never ta- if you were if it was never taken the time to solve a problem that problem is kind of passed down to the kids like is that is that am i making that assessment right are you saying that dna and karma are linked in a way like that karma is a more of a bigger picture i would say in the sense that it is it involves more of the interactive nature of the world for example if you want to believe in reincarnation and karma right let's say you start a fire today in hawaii and you kill yourself right tomorrow you're born in, to a parent in hawaii only and that fire reaches you and kills you that's karma <laughs> right you did it for yourself right it's, it's a simpler way to explain it but it doesn't have to be that simple but in it's um the in dna what i mean is more so with respect to particular traits and features right for example i have this particular curly hair because my dad and mom got that particular genes right so i i carried it i don't have a straight hair same 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 with these particular things a lot more is happening subtler reaction right after all like if you see from the viewpoint of quantum physics right everything is made of these quarks quarks joining together to form electron electron circling the proton and neutron to form an atom and it keeps growing on and on but the primal reaction that's happening at every single minute specimen it's it's the same it's all the same right so it just when it builds up together we tend to perceive things in a different way but that, that's why when you more times when we are in psychedelics or stuff we are able to go into the deeper parts like when we say deeper it's just we narrow it down right through that narrowing down through that i think this ties to one of our conversation about through that specialization we kind of reach the uh one regard or the everything so i think in that way dna does 100% affect as well as generational trauma right it kind of sure. passes because of, you know people that there is um when i was reading psychology right they they say that most of the um uh, some people simply are born in such a way that their happiness doesn't go over 50% you know their biochemical mechanism is in such a way and that when they interact with this world in a particular thing and the world event can act as a trigger which can lead to a particular form of response right it could be depression due to the biochemical lack make up of the body right so if those things can happen along with the particular set of situations it's created in your family of course like that's the first place we need to work at right 
we need to stop those things right and that that's the funny part we're going to take time to find out what's the healthy way to uh drop a particular issue right the thing the small line of difference between letting go versus suppression am i putting it deep down again in my mm. subconscious or am i truly letting it surface up and i'm letting go right and you play play with a lot of set of methods to figure out what is comfortable for you and once i think you find it you just stick to it <laughs> with all you got what what do you think is the difference between suppression and surrender in in what aspect difference for me is basically that yeah suppression is pretty much what you think like at that moment you still you feel okay right you can convince yourself you're not angry you know that and when you surrender you're not angry so you don't know if you're telling the truth but when it's resurfacing up again and again then it's a form of suppression so i felt like i have done that over the course of last you know 2 3 years where because i i still don't know what i'm doing with my insight because i there is no rule book there is no particular way to do things no no one teaches you there is no there is no way to communicate what meditation is like you everyone says you sit and you will know you won't know <laughs> and no <laughs> you can give an outline of okay this might how you would be doing it it as i said you can never directly point the finger there so you kind of like go around circle when you are going through that you might find your own way because if i point directly it's not going to happen in this lifetime right so it's the same with our head and <laughs> letting go in certain states can be so easy but it also can mean that you're free of it right now but it's it's, it's there so how do you process it something like i i don't have a right answer it's trial and error i'm still doing my part in fixing those things within myself and um, it's it's funny it takes time and after a point you just stop uh you understand i feel like like you have these things acknowledgement is the first part right so mm-hmm. even if something you truly surrender surrendered it's fine to say you still have it i have anger issues towards yeah because what you say is not the truth what is happening experientially is the truth if you if i say something about your daughter like you can have a calm face but your body might be boiling with anger yeah. right so it's that that's your truth not what you portray to the world so it will take time to slowly see what's what we can do <laughs> yeah yeah it's surrender is a tough one for me i there are plenty of things that i've had to surrender to but i don't know that i've ever been happy about surrendering to them <laughs> interesting <laughs> Would you want to continue or if you want to Well yeah it just it just makes me think like I think that the idea of surrender for me carries with it an inherent weakness and it's that weakness mm-hmm. that is difficult for me to embrace I know it's there and I know that there are things that it is silly to not surrender to but there's still too much fight in me to thoroughly let go and i think that 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 to me is where i'm i'm doing my most learning is yeah. understanding that difference right there and i i know where that fight is for me but i don't know it it just still has such a negative connotation to me 
but that I think that that just means that's where the work is. Yeah, I uh, it's good, right? Like you have these set of ideas, and uh, instead of assuming that you have an answer and you're settling for it, there is definitely work for us to do. Keep on doing, right? At, at the psychological level, I mean, and uh, it's good to have these starting points. Yeah, right? and uh, most of yeah, most of the uh, ego part that is developed by the world, right? Kind of sees surrender as a weakness. Same with seeing the uh, becoming nobody, right? The ego doesn't want to be a nobody; wants to be that that special thing. So for that, thinking about nobody is so terrifying. Like, how can I be nobody, right? But the ego is not us, right? It's just a set of habit patterns, set of defense mechanisms, set of subconscious reactions that are happening to keep us alive till this part where we can look at them and say, you've taken me so far. I just don't need you, right? Not, not anymore. And it doesn't, I, I do believe this paradoxical thing of like trauma processing happens almost instantaneously, right? When we know the art of letting go, it happens instantaneously. Because yeah. uh, I was watching this video of Sadhguru the other day, like when there is no distance to travel, sitting and I have to sit, like it doesn't take any time. We're not doing stuff. Same with our mental world. We feel like enlightenment and stuff happens in one second, right? Letting go of stuff happens. In... But it's more about, again, that that's the destination, right? Let's say right. that's it's the journey of going back and forth, the pendulum, right? Which is my, where is the gravity of my particular pendulum that it's, which is the middle point for me, right? I have to explore my whole range to see this is the balance, the middle path for me to walk on. And uh, yeah, if you consciously know that surrendering is not a bad thing and it's just a defense mechanism that comes up saying that, Oh, surrendering will make us weak. You know, I, I feel like um, the truest of power resides only when you surrender. Like you completely let go of what you thought anything was, which means right. even the concept of surrender, right? Like we cannot I have an idea of surrender would be like this. This is how I would like, you know, that's why in, in India, you can see all these. It's great thing, you know, if you are coming out, out from a culture like the Hindu, where people do have a lot of offerings and stuff. They pour, you know, tons of milk on statues and you know, offer foods, fruits, flowers, and whatnot, right? So these are forms of surrendering, like offering, right? Charity. But all these originates again at a very individual level. We have to do it with our thoughts. We have to do it with our action. In Bhagavad Gita, uh, there is a line which says, um, Krishna says to Arjuna that uh do your work and give the fruits of the outcome to me dedicate your fruits of the outcome to me right it's more so mm. with respect to that it again comes to this it's all circles around the same part like don't be worried about what happens in the end because there is no actual physical god we are going to give certain things to, you know you want to get a job right. promotion right these are fun when when bhagavad gita says offer the fruits of that, like, where do you go and do this? It's it's all a mental concept to make us understand that, let go of what's going to happen out of this, but do it very mindfully, very intentionally, very much with whatever process you're doing. Don't worry what happens in the end, right? And yeah. um, 
it's it's great you started a new chain of uh, thing for me with respect i do wonder once once in a while it's like how much of this is suppression am i just suppressing a bit once in a while right? like, go like fully crazy i sit and i'm like what if the world is right what if i'm wrong what if i've been like completely stupid and you know doing these set of things thinking that this is the right thing and and then i'm like i'm i'm slightly losing it right and I'm, again there are defense mechanisms that helps you and sometimes defense mechanisms are going to help you the way towards your the goal you are set and not against it right so and then i think about uh, certain things of people getting enforced into doing things they don't want and then i think maybe i'm not completely wrong of course i can have a few things to change and then i'm like it's too much of thinking <laughs> just don't get lost in thought this is this is getting lost in thought and you're going in circles again and again and that's that's the thing right it's not circling when you see it from the top but when you see it from this side view it's like spiral which is going it is slowly moving towards right right and it'll take time lot of and one i i one thing i've never believed that there is something humans need to possess but i felt more so grateful and i felt like gratitude came to me when i learned patience so when we have patience is the only virtue right it kind of helps you with everything because i today as of the second all i can think my problem is i rush i just mm. rush my mind is rushing towards the next thing apart from that there is no problem because if something is happening and if i'm with it there is no narrator to say this is good i don't want this to be happening for another 23 minutes and 34 seconds <laughs> yeah, sorry for counting the first 36 minutes of meditation but I, you know I, it's it's the problem comes to specifically that that oh i'm not here i'm not here i'm not here and when you're here it's i guess it's beautiful and patience is something that we need to have it's a very you know again when you if you do give it a try i would definitely to- totally recommend to you that you should uh, try to find a place and book for that 10 days it'll find for you they have a branch in hawaii or maybe yeah. we can talk with um, you know the foundation and start one in hawaii but yeah that'll be epic <laughs> <laughs> like i would i'd be down when i when i see people like especially you i know right like i'd feel you like i want you to feel really miserable and you to feel <laughs> like i want you to run away you know it doesn't have to happen that way but if you did feel i would actually be happy for you <laughs> <laughs> i want you to be miserable george like really <laughs> you're so kind <laughs> <laughs> oh i i know that like i so i've had i've done a similar thought experiment or i've been caught in a similar set of thoughts where i have i have run that road of like i'm doing everything wrong and like i've stayed there but for what pulls me out of there like i'll, I'll stay in that circle of thought sometimes for you know off and on a day or a couple of days sometimes and what always snaps me out of it is the fact that regardless if i'm doing it wrong or I'm doing it right. I'm going to end up at the same spot and then I start laughing. And that's usually what pulls me out, but I can go deep into that spiral and be like that's all wrong. 
It's all <laughs> fucking wrong. What am I? Why? Why would I do that? That's so dumb. I've been doing that forever. And then all of a sudden, after a few days, I'm like, well, I'm still in the same spot that I was like a month ago. So yeah. maybe I'm doing it right. <laughs> you know, that I just start laughing like that was a total waste of time. I just wasted a month. And then the spiral will start again. And then the yeah. psychedelics have to get involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so crazy. This is beautiful. Like you spend that and um, these are the things, right? What do you feel like? Uh, I, 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 I am speaking for you a little bit, but what you would consider waste of time kind of turns out to be the most significant thing you do, right? Like you kind of <laughs> yeah. go into a next uh, cycle trip and you think like, one thing that happened to me personally was having no regrets. You simply cannot regret anything. Like if if your goal is towards, let's say, like a particular thing, like if it's with meditation towards enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. If you are born enlightened, what would you do? And if you're not born enlightened, of course, you're going to have these trauma. Everyone is going to be traumatized. Trauma can be a very small thing. Trauma can be very big thing. Trauma can be very impactful. Trauma can be very slight. I'm not overusing the word, but I think in some way, we all need to have that bit of thing that, you know, kind of gets us to a place where we are like, but why me? Why am I being put through this? Who is doing this to me, right? We need to get to that space. And But when we truly get there, I, I feel like, we don't look back and say it's a, it was a waste of time because right. what things could have happened if not for that? Yeah. I cannot think of anything. Like my mind is so limited to think of alternate possibilities of what could have rolled out. If I had taken a left, I would have got smashed by a car. If I had taken a right, I would have hit by a train. Like I went straight. It's, I tripped on a stone. So right. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> you know, um, when the fire happened, um, this happened in our house, right? So... Uh, all the the firemen, like there were 35 firemen in our house, right? Uh, six trucks, because the properties we, I'm living in, we're living in, is all attached properties. But only five, one fire truck was needed, 10 seconds of water was needed, but they were prepared, right? And police came and fire investigation and so on and on. And um, yeah, there was intense panic for first two minutes. And then when we got up the house and it was like, yeah, whatever, right? We were fine. And then there was this part of um, just such compassion that I felt like I needed this particular experience <laughs> that I was lacking, right? There are events that are happening. I intellectually know that my food is arriving from somewhere, like someone is working and that's how I'm able to eat. Someone is doing something. Someone is always doing something for me to continue breathing as of this point. Like the internet that's there that connects us everything is happening intellectually i know but i had to be put through that very experientially where i had to drop my thinking of oh i know people are helping me i actually had to experience that so at your fucking dependent being what where did the arrogance come from right and from i i don't know where it started but all the people that you know came none of them asked um none of them oh it shouldn't have happened it's avoidable fire or this or that nothing they're like you two and the dogs are three dogs are alive great house can always be reconstructed you know and that's true because when you see it and that's why i said the fear of death when it arises it's an opportunity for us to start uh, you know we necessarily don't have to wait for a near-death experience for us to change our lives but sometimes that's that's the 
wake up calls you know <laughs> yeah yeah i i think i don't know whether if it's because i've been talking to you since our, our relationship started or it's psychedelics but in the last couple year year and a half or so i occasionally get this feeling like yesterday i was at work and i was walking up these stairs and i'm like i'm going to die you know not like i was going to die that day but like there was like this weird sense of urgency that just yeah. just for a moment shot through me like i'm going to die but it was not so much like an adrenaline rush as it was like a shot of of clarity maybe like a re mm. quick release of dopamine or a quick release of serotonin that was like yeah i'm going to die and it just for a minute everything around me got brighter yeah. And so it, it was a welcome thought, even though it was a, un, a scary thought, but it, something to be embraced, something to be thought about. And mm -hmm. when, you, when, when you bring up the idea of talking about wasted time and how the, that's probably some of the, the, the best times, because there can be no wasted time. It reminds me of a psychedelic trip I had one time under like a really large dose of 4-ACO-DMT. I remember taking it. And like, I immediately felt it come on. Like, it, and like, I'm like, whoa, this is gonna be strong. Like, I just yeah. took this and it's five minutes in and I'm coming up. I'm like, oh crap, you know? And I, on a was side note, of a side, I'm sorry. Was it the 75 MCG? Yes, that was, was it. That was the one. Okay, it was yeah. like immediate. Yeah. And I remember, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get in the bathtub because that's a great idea. So I remember I, I turned on the water and it was one of the first times. And one of the only times where I started hearing voices, like I had broken through some sort of barrier and like, I'm like, okay, I need to think of an intention. And my intention was, I want to understand what's happening in the world. And I want to understand what is on a level I've never understood before. And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm in the bathtub and I'm curled up in the corner and the water's on. And like, I'm like, I want to understand what's happening. And then all of a sudden I heard this voice, like, are you sure you want to understand? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm scared. I'm like, what? Who said that? And it's like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And then I just got all these flashes of like war and people dying and like all this crazy like visions. Like I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, I don't want to understand anymore. And the voice is like, too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it made like, it was just this, like the reason I bring it up is because I, I realized like all these things are happening. Everything is happening around me. And there, the concept of time was just really brought out in a way in which I've never thought about before. And then you enter into this faceless voice ping into my head, like, wow. So like, it, I think the reason I'm bringing that up is, is the idea of time, that there can be no waste of time and the things that you may feel, whether it's a thought loop or whether it is sitting and meditating or whether it is obsessively thinking about something that you think was silly, they're all necessary. And it brings me to this point of whenever someone says to you, is that necessary? I think the answer should also should always be, yeah, it is necessary. <laughs> That's kind of a crazy way to get there, but Wait, yeah. That is no crazy way. So all path leads to home. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. There you go. That's well put. Thank you. Yeah, Thank like, you. It's, it's, <laughs> that, is one more thing. that was this part where like uh, different methods, it's, it's, certain methods are stupid, certain methods are this, but um, 
i think everything is happening to a particular individual at the right time right what my yes. here as the most optimum learning experience right like for example i don't know how to how many people i can say that the fire i started in my house was the most greatest event that i could think of like in this year like beautiful beginning to new year it just rearranged my priorities it it was the most kindest event without great consequences like things could have been much worse so i just had the experience of like fuck what could have happened without things happening right like let's say my dog which was um, was both of them 1 meter away from the fire right like they first get burnt like things like this small small things like this could have happened right but to escape that near without having those consequences made me just have so much gratitude towards the experience right and from there on about like i feel like people are we are, we have it's everything is perfect everything mm. is perfect at some level of you know a uh, plane of existence that we cannot comprehend something that's happening that is so inhumane i know there could be a lot of you know examples that could say how could you say that is okay right mm-hmm. because i i do add that but it's just when i'm completely silent when i'm completely not interacting with the world these are the things it is actually perfect it is what leads to a state of whatever you're a haha moment or anything <laughs> and one thing uh, you told about time I'm, i i think i would have mentioned this but uh, in 1754 when england changed their calendars do you know no so there was i think uh, in 1754 if i'm not wrong um the chinese calendar and the english calendar were uh, 16 days apart okay so on september 14 they said uh, so instead of tomorrow being september 15 we can have october october 1st right and there was a huge protest right that give us our time back wow right and i understand the effects of it right so let's say if the calendar year is just changed for you george right you live in january 24 now like i live in 27 then when you're interacting with me it's a problem right but if you are a monk who is sitting in a mountain who is not dependent on interactions then it's a totally different thing right so the, the, the more interactions we have the more distractions it creates not necessarily a bad thing but it just proves to the point that the solitude time is of quiet importance right like mm-hmm. i used to wonder uh, before my psychedelics have i ever been alone no i have not been truly alone with myself it's so funny to think about like what do i always look for things to do i always look for people to interact with do something of these sorts but why why was i not alone because mostly the two three days when i first moved to canada that was the first days that i've ever been alone like i i always lived in my parents home until i came to canada so you're interacting right you're always interacting with beings and so on and when i came here i cried i've never cried you know in that intensity until then and i i just went to the bed and i cried i'm like i don't want to be alone right? and i had no idea these are experiences that i needed to be aware of i just yeah. cried and then i was like i can handle this and then you know morning will be fine there is just evening sadness but it will go away and then i if i make friends it will go away these things but it's the same with our eating disorders or 
you know watching disorders or distractions which are covering up our emotions right so when we stop those initially it'll be hard because all the emotions that are suppressed has to surface now where will it go there is no way either it goes deep inside or it has to come out and come coming out is always in the form of like us experiencing it and if once we understand we don't have to react to the experience of you know particular emotion we don't act upon it right we take it but again i i feel like all these happens when we give ourselves the space the the space solitude non interaction with the outside world to truly understand what where to see what is time time exists for a conven- conventional purpose like you know for for a matter of convenience to make it easier but beyond that is there something even days nights these don't matter if one is meditating all day not eating there is a term called samana which i read recently that um, you know again in the sadguru video where buddha before his um, enlightenment he was traveling with different uh, teachers to you know get different practices he felt it was not enough right so he turned to this approach of um, there were group called samanas who would say they will never beg for food right so they they are fighting against their primal instincts of i need to survive so if they are given food was at that time such a way that when people see monks they just offer a lot of food so it turned out to be a you know good thing for them to exist at that right. point but what i'm getting at is to the part that when we actually have zero interactions of those sorts with respect to i need to eat at this time or what if i stop completely eating right and time doesn't actually bother us the way we used to perceive time we get a totally new different thing and these methods that seem hard on the outside are methods that put you through complete presence because all you care about is that particular moment that is there in that moment because you're not thinking that you know we, we all we all have things to do like for example i'm going to uh, go get my license plate for my other car right and it's it's always there and even if you're not conscious of it it's there in the back of the head it's consuming energy right and this this is how this energy you can talk about in physical terms how we can stop wasting those energy even though i said we don't waste time so like yeah uh, redirected to much of what is actually uh, happening here and now i i yeah. i'm sorry i was gibberish here and there but it just i as much as uh, things are happening i'm observing the words that's coming out through me I'm like whoa <laughs> like why are you going all about <laughs> but it's okay whatever do whatever you want <laughs> yeah it's beautiful i i i agree with so much of that idea i i think that when you are alone you know i had a similar experience when i first moved to hawaii and i had left my family and i realized i was in a place that and it was during the holidays for me like it was the first holidays where i realized that I don't know anybody here. I've never been here in my life. I'm living with people I don't know. My family's all gone and there's only me. And it was it was a profound sort of loneliness, but it gave way to a profound sense of being okay. Like but but you had to go to the spot of despair. Like you 
you know, if despair was a location, I would say that despair is a place you go to find out who you are because yeah. you have to go there. You, you have to go there and you have to cry at the well of ascension. You know what I mean? And like, but once you do it, it's almost like a meditation. It's almost like a prayer. It's almost like you've given homage and your tears have begun and to fill this pond. I also feel like that particular experience, you know, denotes to a form of surrender, right? Yeah, Which, absolutely. It could be anything, a, a particular concept you want to surrender, that I need to have someone to, you know, have a particularly good time or I need to be doing this particular sort of thing during the holidays, you know, to get yeah, myself yeah. to be at peace or something. But yeah, what, you're you're so true. I love the part where you said where we go find where we go to find despair is where we find ourselves, right? Yeah. And I think that's uh, it. Goes back to one more thing that I had. Like, if we listen to our emotions, they're just trying to communicate to us, and all we have to do is listen and say. It can, you could be apathetical to it, but you can just have no set of reaction to it, and then see like, huh? <laughs> I see. Maybe, How did maybe bring this sense of peace <laughs> in the covering of ah, I don't want it. We it's so funny. Like I don't want it is the only resistance that's causing the suffering. There is no actual suffering apart from you know someone is doing something to us. Yeah, we can have a few options to act about that particular situations, but in essence, everything comes to uh, yeah. You know, let's it let's talk about. you know just my life where i don't have hard things like i don't have people coming and hitting at me or let's say i don't have uh, people trying to kill me for speaking about women rights or so on right think that to happen in this world but so i have a rather very convenient life so for me the problems are with respect to once i'm settled in bed and i have to clear out a particular dish because the food will go bad oh like that's a, that's a small task you see and thinking about it is ah, i don't want to do it because i i've already settled in but it's not if you start yesterday i had this this was like literally as night and it's so mind blowing to me because it's such a simple thing no nothing of profound nature is happening i would think but it's so profound because i'm like i get up and i go I'm like ha huh. 3 days back i wouldn't have gotten up meditation is what makes me get up because i'm not resisting this you know small small things and it i think it helps me at least go and sit more Sorry for completely cutting you off, which you were saying with respect to this particular thing. I'm sorry about that, but that's uh. no, true. It's I I I think of the same thing with traffic. Like yeah, you know I, it's such it's so irrelevant really, but it sucks. I hate it. Like I'm gonna I'm just sitting on a freeway. I'm just gonna sit here. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit here. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. But so many people lose their mind when you sit in traffic. But why? If you, especially if you have a car with air condition and a radio, you know, and you got somebody there next to you, maybe a little a little snack. Like it's who do you do? Who cares? You're just sitting in traffic. But people get so frustrated because yeah. you know traffic is kind of like life. Like you're in this rush to get somewhere, but you're still in the car. You can't go faster than the guy in front of you. You don't know why you're sitting in traffic. There's an accident, and that's another thing. People want to like see an accident, like. there better be an accident when i get up here you know i hope there was something you know <laughs> people are so frustrated but yeah it's i want to justify so my wait <laughs> was that i want to justify the time i waited yes yeah it's true and but, maybe uh, this gets uh, us back to yeah, maybe yeah. this gets us back to the the um the line between surrender and suppression you know when you sit alone 
you are surrendering to your emotions and allowing them the time that they need to communicate with you. Where when you're acting out in your day and you're rushing from distraction to distraction, you're in suppressive mode where you're just, yeah, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And that seems to be so much of the world of mental illness today is suppression, right? Like you've suppressed your anger. You've suppressed your animosity. You've suppressed your need to express yourself for so long that it's finding a way to manifest in a way that is inappropriate to, to life in the community where surrender is sitting alone and being like, I have to work on this. Or you know what? I need to take time to realize why I'm acting this way. I guess, I guess that's a, that gets us back to that fine line. It definitely does. Right. Like, uh, yeah. One of the things I think that was happening until now is, um, as you said, the, the huge amount of distractions that have been growing around us that are not just distractions per se, are, that are basing their whole profit based on our attention yes. towards the particular yes. distraction, right? So now you have someone going out there, doing it on purpose, and it's a very valid thing because that's livelihood for them. So given that it does exist, so and over the years it has increased tremendously that we really do not even begin to understand we don't have time like necessarily to ask question why i'm here what we are doing most people i feel like we we tend to say that we are here for the experience but are we really right because i used to think i'm here for the experience but that was being covered up with a lot of you know my concepts right so the finding that line it's going to take time goes back and the line you know it always keeps moving you think you can never get it uh, nailed it down or you, you can't have figured it like you think the method that you used to let go of let's say a grief towards a dead parent or a dead kid is not the same with respect to you know emo emotional abuse or stuff right all these have different levels of working but it's funny it's one thing i believe is it's it's an individual's work I, I am, I do like therapies. Those are initial journey, but therapies are for problems that we have already defined it and made a big deal. It's when it's hindering life in a major way, right? For example, I was, let's say, mildly depressed. That's, that's what the DSM would, you know, quote mm -hmm. my symptoms to be. But people like me, I feel like do not have the right set of therapists to, you know, be helped because... I mean, on the outset, things are not a problem. You do not have suicidal tendencies. You're not, you know, uh, not showing up for work or you're not. Things seem good on the outside. But you're, Wait, Real fast, what, what did you say the DMS would classify you as? Uh, mildly depressed based on... Mildly depressed, okay. Yeah. Mildly depressed, right? So right. The, the reason I'm saying is that when on the outside, if you do not have significant reaction patterns for people to observe you you don't get the right help you deserve so after a while when you take out all these major things so for people having suicidal tendencies that's more evident you know people having like they just can't get out of bed right so these are very uh, strong right and therefore the help is much more e at least easier to deliver at these stronger levels right but for people with milder cases where things are fine 
but they are not so right and then that that's where the problem is i saw a few let's say psychedelic companies some therapist uh, working towards helping people reach their full potential which was nice to see because not everyone has a problem as defined by the world someone mm-hmm. could think that your life is as perfect as it could get and you could be sad inside right and that's the funny thing about us everything can be traumatizing <laughs> all yeah. life situations that are given to us is like i i only see my dad and myself in the case my dad and me are completely opposite story lines right he was completely deprived of uh, financial thing so he had to fight this way to get there so he made sure that i don't go through the same and i saw him being this much i said i don't want money <laughs> and it's, it's it's a loop and it's funny to see these things happen it is it's especially when you look at it from a generational point of view it it seems that one of us like he's he's probably correcting in a way that his parent like we always oversteer in the direction or overcorrect in the way that our parents did you know like my yeah. dad was super like you are going to be this type you're going to be the greatest wrestling athlete there ever was and you're going to be super disciplined at this and you're always going to do this and i'm like i can't do it i can't do it and so now like i well i still i still try to apply a certain level of discipline to my daughter it's not the level of discipline that my dad did and the reason he had so much discipline is cuz his parents had none you know so and it's like we're just constantly steering the car until hopefully we get to a point where it's just ah you, you know there's not a whole lot of play in the wheel yeah but <clears throat> it's interesting to think about like i it and it, 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 if you could look see we don't have a lot we get back to this idea of time like we think that in our individual lives like we're we're moving in this direction but if if you could look if you could be outside yourself and look at the lineage of your parents and then look at the lineage of where your kids might be then you could see the plan you'd be like oh that makes total sense like we started over here the same way like the the rain the raindrops from a glacier flow down a mountain so too do you as an individual go on your path but you only get to see the snapshot of your life you don't get to see your progeny or you don't get to see the way your parents did it and you know i, I like to think that at some point in time in this crazy sort of death and rebirths maybe when we leave the body then we'll be invited to see the big picture of where we're going you know <laughs> i uh... I don't think it's that. It would it wouldn't be that. <laughs> well, why not, Ranga? Because um I believe like it's it's just too easy. <laughs> this is not how it doesn't set in with how this level of reality works at least according to me with respect to changes and with respect to energy being the only truth and you know we are a bundle of energy with receptors to a particular you know and we have these senses to see this world in a subjective way and so on and on and on but our work has to be done while we are here right i that's that's what i feel it's not done while we are not here like there is no work to do when we are not here there is no point to seeing things like once we go and see like okay let's say, you know there is this uh, consciousness or uh, spirit or soul which goes from the body at the moment of that and goes and sees and and then what nothing it's like god is like yeah you go back again but you know what i'm going to wipe out the memories again right <laughs> it's like that, that's what in, in buddhism reincarnation kind of 
focuses on that it's not about seeing the bigger picture but kind of what state of consciousness you are left leaving the body it's what you will go into the next body right so it's based on what when people are having that i'm reading this book i i did, i'm not reading this book i read three four chapters which is very nice by art of dying by sn goenka talks about uh, people accounts from people who are uh, dying right and uh, mm. which show was this there was the show i was watching and uh, yeah uh, the thing with uh, this guy and alexander shulgin there is a documentary called mm-hmm. better living through chemistry right and in that mm. uh, this guy was describing the death of alexander shulgin and he was saying i've seen a lot of people die and these are ugly deaths and i saw alexander die it was very peaceful and maybe it had to do a lot with his psychedelic uh, experiences mm-hmm. right and uh, i tend to believe because in art of dying this is this book by asan goenka was focused on people who are uh, doing vipassana meditation for quite some time right so they are able to have that state of meditation during that death. so they are not reacting to that fear that is rising as of the moment right through the sensations or through their emotions through their thoughts and so on and on and it's quite it was nice because the day that <laughs> thing caught on fire i was i was i usually have a different set of routine in the evening right i go to take shower and so on if, if i had done that like the house would have been on fire and i wouldn't have known right that day for some reason my partner she was so interested in reading that book she made me sit and read three chapters during which we had enough time for the fire to catch where we could notice and so on and i was reading the art of dying and there was something coming up right because i was afraid like as i was de- reading that there is this fear i intellectually know i'm going to die i intellectually know it's it'll be fine everyone is going to die nothing is going to happen like let's say at some point this existence has to restart again in a different way like the whole earth collapses there is no rec- written record of history and nothing right and again life can start again i can intellectually know these things but when i'm reading this there's something happening my heart is racing and so on and then i saw th- i see the fire come up and it was like it was a huge reminder and it had to all happen and believe me or not after that day and i i i couldn't help myself but to sit and meditate because i'm afraid and i'm happy i'm afraid because without me being afraid i'm suppressing this fear deep down and i'm not afraid all the time like right now if you ask me i'm like yeah of course not i'm not afraid of it <laughs> but i have to go and sit and bond especially when on cannabis i have a lot of fear arising yeah which is nice and as you said with respect to that uh, death thought you had yesterday it's quite important you need to consistently uh, you know work on that and that it brings a sense of urgency in a very good way right mm-hmm. so it's a funny again a paradox thing urgency not to get things done not to rush urgency to stop being <laughs> rushing right and yeah yeah i i don't know again why i started this conversation but it all revolves around that and uh, makes me more um, yeah the art of dying right with respect to that it was just making me think i need to prepare for that that is because what i through have understood for so long but experientially now i've rediscovered the same truth is when we are born we do not know anything about any of such we are given stories this is what right. it is this guy is that this guy and so on and on and 99% of things turns out to be 
oh no i thought you were a very rude person oh you also have you know calming tendencies and so on and none of those fits but there is one truth at least i felt like i've always known is that death is coming i don't know how it's going to come i don't know what i'm going to do i don't know if i'm going to you know eat this particular food tomorrow nothing i know about life but i know i'm going to die right and i feel like i wasted 3 years sometimes part of the paradoxical thing right i wasted because i knew that was something that was at the core of my thing it was coming and i wasn't doing anything to prepare for it right but then i i don't see it as a waste of time because like it's simply how things are rolling out right i had to be in this body to think about i had to be in this body to understand that this body is going to die so mm-hmm. i'm so attached to this idea of me and this body i am going to die and i have to do the work but if i couldn't have had this fear before my existence what is death same as prenatal existence right <laughs> I, yeah. i feel like it's yeah. right and uh, death in such way keeping that as a central truth it's very nice like all that scary feelings but along with that scary feelings comes this presence as you said maybe the dopamine it maybe the serotonin things are brighter they are richer they are yeah. you appreciate it more right you appreciate a lot of things right like everything is passing by and you're going to pass along with it yeah. all we can do i feel like i i i was interested in existential psychotherapy last year and i realized it's these are things i don't know i i always felt like i i'm not here to do this because i i i become so selfish about my tendencies own thing like my own fear of death so i need to do work on that so for that all i can do is like prepare for death and where do i start and then that's where i see there are a lot of tools and tricks available you know uh, they say uh, meditation is one of those illusion that is designed to make you realize of other illusions <laughs> so you use some of these illusions to guide your journey prepare for what is what is ultimately the truth at least of our subjective self like because i know in psychedelics we feel the oneness and so on that is all there but let's we are, we are not remembering it at such a intricate level right but at a intellectual level we still know that is that right and we can play it as a part and uh, i was watching this video of ricky how do you pronounce his name ricky jervis uh huh ricky jervis super funny right he's he's really nice his ideas are so uh, i i find my partner and i know we watched this uh, video of his and like this was sync with him it's nice because so much of his aspects go around there was a show on netflix he made surrounding death and there was a interview where he was talking many things about death because the more we start focusing on death like very intensely not not as a joke like yeah sure i talk about the thing think sit and think sit and ponder do what you need to do but death is here for you so see that it brings with it life you know that's that's mm-hmm. the whole aspect of beautiful thing about duality that's one of the first ways that i understood how the duality work like i understood with respect to the example of light and darkness right one needs to exist for the other to exist but same that death that to exist for life to be you know so uh, meaningful so again i've lost meaning to words like meaningful so it's just, <laughs> it is you are one with it you are one with the experience 
you you could say that you're you could say that the only truth is death and that our whole lives we spend preparing to die if you look at it from that angle like you know it just it it brings us back to the idea that that you know i i think part of the problem is i just have have a different thought about it like I think part of the problem is that we've taken all the dignity out of dying. You know, when I, especially when I look at the Western cultures, like I, I see that so many people are commodified and they're sent to an old folks home where their insurance company designates a certain amount of money that they can have. And then all of a sudden, like my, my, my grandma, she became she she pretty much she she wasn't there like she had outlived her cognitive ability mm-hmm. and my dad and my grandfather said that she had already died in some ways but yeah. they kept her alive and they she was like a shell of a person and you know i i think about that on one side and then i think about the story that deepak chopra tells about his father coming in to meet him at an at an older age and said I, I think it's my time. I'm going to go and die. And I that reminds me of another story. I have a friend who's a Cherokee Indian. And his dad, he lives in Hawaii. His name's E.B., super awesome guy. I don't think he'd mind me sharing this story. And um, he had mentioned to me that his father had had invited him to come back and see him because he was getting older. And so he went, he flew back to see his dad. And his dad had told him, like, Hey, I just wanted to see you one more time because I, I'm getting to the stage where it's my time and I'm going to die soon. And EB, you know, had a great time with his dad. And a few weeks, like a week later, he read his father's obituary. And it was his father had went up to this point on top of a mountain where he would go to meditate sometimes. And they found him, they found him up there and he was dead. But he had he had died on his own terms. He had said goodbye to the people. He had decided it was his time to leave. And then he got to leave in a way that he wanted to leave. And it, it just reminds me like the last, you know, and, and I'm hopeful that I can have the, the courage and the strength and the fortitude to go out on my own terms. But, you know, I've often heard that the last job of a parent is to teach their children how to die. You know, I've seen so many people like my great grandmother died on in an old folks home on a gurney and you know, there, there's just no dignity in there and you, you become sort of a commodity to the hospital when you go out on those terms. But yeah, hmm. I, I, I think that maybe that's part of preparing to die is understanding how you want to go out and understanding that you can leave a lesson in a way for those around you. And, you know, why can't we have a party? Why, why can't you, I was talking to my dad and he's like, dude, I want to go on a cruise. I want to have a giant party. And then at the end, just give me the needle, man. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to feel no pain. I want to have a party and then send me out, you know, send me on my way. And I just think that like, what, why can't we embrace death that way? Why can't we have this party to celebrate the end of life and people go out on their own terms instead of like, oh, you have to go on a dialysis machine and we have to come and visit you in a, place that makes everybody feel uncomfortable and people have to be scared of dying you know and that's easy for me to say because i'm not yet at a point where i'm facing death so it's easy for me to say that but you know i'm hopeful that i'll maintain that same type of vibrance when i get older Mm -hmm. but it's it's i i I love that we you and i end up talking about this because I, i think it's so relevant and 
I think it's something that it's not an easy subject for people to talk about, but there's so much in there to learn from. There's so much in there to talk about. And it's a beautiful subject. Mainstream in the mainstream, it's not coming out because the more I dig into detail of art of dying, there are literally so many art of dying books out there. Like one, Mm. I saw the top two that I know is one is Osho and one is Essen Goenka. Right. And, uh, all these um, books, many of many people are trying to add this idea. It's just not a what. It's kind of the idea that what's it gonna do if we talk about it, right? But it is actually happening at a smaller level, right? It's like the secret club. You need to know where to look for, and uh, you will actually find people who are damn interested in talking about it. And uh, I, I. I will share this particular thing, what you said about the needle. I've, I've had this because for me, fear of death and more than that accompanies is the fear of suffering. Oh, I don't want pain. I don't want that. You know, I will. So instead of the needle part, I used to think if I was going to die, I, I wish it was in sleep, you know, like I just didn't know yeah. about it. But I've, I've turned my perception about it after reading these books that you have to be very conscious of your death. It's a very... um important step that you take right again forget reincarnation or not it's it's just that if what we train for right now is let's say we you and i are interested in devoting our life to be here now i believe that's the only thing we can do because after that whatever happens there is no narration about it so you're here now you can do anything you want but you're here and now right and it's all subjective experience so when we do that, you, I, I feel like personally, I've gotten to place. I'm not there practically. Like, I'm not okay with dying right now. But I want to be conscious of it. I don't want to avoid any of the accompanying things with it. And with respect to what you said about dying in a gurney, I still think it's, it's what we observe from the outside. What mm-hmm. is truly essential is the state of mind of the person who's going through it. For example, uh, I saw this guy dead in the railway station, right, in India, right? He was, just, he was dead. And, you know, when I looked at him, I was like, yeah, sure, I want to be that. <laughs> like, I don't know, I might be that. <laughs> I can't, like, um, so I, I don't plan on having kids, right? And with all assumptions, and it, it's only my partner. And if she dies before, what I'm going to be doing is pretty much I want to be just by myself and I probably wherever I am and if death comes what can I do I cannot get up and move I'm just gonna and if people at that space let's say oh he's dying we're gonna send him to hospital and that happens sometimes right and if they put you in some old age home where you know you're you're aware but you're not able to communicate that you don't want this and so on it's not an undignified death it's just situation is happening that way but you still have the same work to do you're Mm -hmm. still you, you as an experiencer is going to stop existing subjectively and maybe merge yeah. with one or whatever happens. Like these are speculations, but it is quite some some grounding um, nature to just talking about death. Mm-hmm. Like it it it's just it is like the more I talk about it, I'm focused on it. Right? Yeah. It doesn't stop me from doing things. That's the funny part, right? And you don't want to. You don't give up on life. You don't give up. You you actively participate it, participate with it in ways that 
you've known and ways you know how to change yourself to be more present but you just don't like i'm gonna die i'm gonna stop doing things that just doesn't yeah. happen this i went to this meditation thing and the monk was um, explaining these concepts of the temporary nature of things right and there is this term called aniksha in the vipassana meditation they talk about impermanence right and one of uh, the fellow meditators he asked the monk like i, I intellectually know anicca like i understand that it's temporary but just because it's temporary i just lose interest in stuff right what do i do to change so that's that's the part like initially it might be that he gave an example of how the sun is rising and setting right you know when the sun is going to set just because it's setting you don't get angry over it you don't see say it's meaningless to see the sun you enjoy it and in fact it's because of how the wavelength is when it's rising and setting the wavelength is so big that you see red and orange and it's beautiful right yeah you know it's going to go but you let it go you also know on some level that of course like me thinking about it obsessively to stop it is not going to stop it <laughs> <laughs> like i can I, that doesn't happen so to be able to be there and experience these are few of the things with which we are born i don't know many any any people personally who are sad that the sun is setting there can be people but some yeah. people are very naturally inclined to admire things and let it go right when the time comes so our life is like that we have to appreciate admire be grateful do all those sorts of things but when is when the time is here we should let it go and the more we are aware of how the body is operating fundamentally i think that's why the examples you gave about uh, the cherokee indian or mm-hmm. uh, who's the other guy this is father right deepak chopra's father i think the more you are with your body you just know it yeah. like just like for example you know things that i i think about uh, because <laughs> when i go use the washroom and i don't have enough time at work i have a 10 minute break and i'm like ah oh, i need to poop but maybe not i can hold three more hours right so I, it's fine i just need to pee in right now and i go and i'm wondering like wow i know these things and i have like specific control like to let go of one and hold the other and these things are happening and no one taught me this i just know it and then mm-hmm. i was vaping weed the other day and i was making like circles that went out these things it's not like i can be proud of it and it's also something that i didn't learn from others so how is this happening it's just wisdom and knowledge these are already there you just have to stay with the process and when the time is right it will surface up and you will consciously know it but the funny thing is you will have no ownership over it there is no like it's my idea it's my <laughs> way my thing like i am good at this it's like i have no idea how did i learn to poop the same way i learned how to you know wave circles or i learned this or that and you will also learn the fact that ah it's time for me to go and based on mm. what we have done what our work has been towards our whole life if people are talking about uh, um if we are talking about you know doing things then we are still too much on this plane of reality so we want mm. to things done and our energy is trapped in this so when death comes like the fear of missing out is there but the the funny thing is that out of like 14 billions of existence now you know you and i like flickering one flame just comes and goes right it's minute you know it's like this when we watch 3 hours of movie right let's say one of your favorite movies is every single second so nice no there are like let's say at least 2 seconds of the movie that 
yeah i wouldn't have placed it here you know it's whatever <laughs> but you don't judge the ba- whole movie based on that same way i don't think we should judge the existence based on our subjective viewpoint we tend to do that we tend yeah. to think this is it but if you see all the things that's happening this is like yeah this is two seconds of uh, the bad screenplay like it's not my fault <laughs> who wrote it brahma come on <laughs> better screenplay the same but it's fine like the rest of the movie is good because i was not there <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there's a certain set of insights that can only be achieved in the moment of death? Like, is there a certain type of awareness that you can only experience at that moment? Uh, you can, I think, again, intellectually speaking, you can do those if you are meditating. and i'm talking about years of meditation very consistently and mm-hmm. that's pretty much becomes your life right you can but more often than not if we do our you know doing multiple roles wearing multiple masks <laughs> most things surface up in the moment of that particular experience so I, of course there are going to be a profound thing of like whoa i thought actually i was afraid of that that is not as bad or it could be any any of those sort like for example even near that experience right near that experience it's not just i am going to die it could generate a lot more things in here for me the whole event right pumped up my compassion but the same thing i intellectually knew but it was pointless in my life i was just a angry guy who was screaming out here and there like there was no point but when it experientially happens and it tumbles you down like that's what i feel like that experience was very necessary because i think thinking back before that experience i was like yeah things were changing but there were a lot of concepts i held on to that was stopping me from my path so i had to drop it through the this particular situation manifesting as an experience and death is one of those major experiences because what we solidify and think for example i cannot think myself beyond this subjective mm-hmm. view because i am that that is the yeah. consistent truth for me every day because i don't feel the pain of others i don't feel the anything of others i wake up i do my things so i am very limited to this so for me it will be a profound step and for most people it's a profound step if when we are not locked in deep states of meditation or trance yeah it's interesting i um you know I, one time i i was out on my route and i was working and um it's there's a there's a guy on my road, a really nice guy and it was when the vaccines were coming out and covid was big so it was like probably 2 years ago and he'd always ask me hey george did you get your vaccine i'm like nope and so this went on for like 6 6 months and then a year and so you know i i would see him like every 3 days and it just kind of became a joke between us but you get it i'm like no nope, i'm not going to get it did you get it no and he, and he so we would always laugh and then one day i was he drives a purple jeep his name's davo And one day I'm in my in my work truck and he's pulling this way and I'm pulling this way and he he pulls up close to me and I was eating chips right and so I'm eating and uh, he pulls up next to me and he goes hey George did you get your vaccine yet and I I went to say something to him and right as I went to talk I inhaled this chip that like got caught in my throat so I couldn't talk and I started choking I was like oh, oh. and he thought I was joking because I didn't get the vaccine he's like did you get the vaccine and I started doing this and he's like ah ha 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 but like i was really choking <laughs> like i couldn't breathe yeah and then like i kind of slumped down in my truck and he jumped out of his jeep came over grabbed me and like right as he was getting ready to do the heimlich maneuver like i ugh, i 
coughed up that chip. But yeah. in that moment, like I, I thought, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die choking on a chip in my work truck. <laughs> and it was like this crazy moment. And like, I thought it, it was just this, just this flicker of like, this is how it is. I'm going to die. And, and for a moment, I believed it. I'm going to die choking on a chip in my truck. And it, it was so surreal because it was funny, but I fucking was gasping for breath thinking I was going to mm. die. So after that point, like I, and then I drove off like nothing. Okay. I didn't die. And I just kept off working, you know, but it was so strange to me. And we started talking about death and that's why I, I part of that question had come to my mind. Like, do you think there's this profound things that happens on your deathbed? And for me, the answer is like, nope, just choking on a chip. That, that could be it. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like they can approach you. There are uh, different forms of death, right? So dying in a car accident, right? I take my car out, I slid, boom, nothing, no, no point, no time for you to self-reflect and so on. No point to understand what's happening. So yeah, I don't know in that cases there would be any profound thing. Instead, like for example, things like chip, our first thing would be survival. Fear mm-hmm. of death rising. The first defense yeah. mechanism that's like, I need to do something to get this chip out. So of yeah. course, we don't have the space to create profound insights at that point, right? So we need to be very calm to have that. And for that to happen, we need to have what we call as a natural death. It shouldn't be very um, driven. We what What is natural? Like, let's say if I keep smoking every day if I have lung cancer and if I accept that I have lung cancer, that can be a natural death. So I'm trying to differentiate what natural death in this case versus, you know, dying in an instant, like Mm -hmm. by a bullet to my forehead. So in that case, once I'm accepted and I create this space in my head, I think magic can happen at that point. Yeah. But again, this does involve a lot of preparation for death. Like to even keep on pondering and to yeah no it's coming i i just will go to youtube there are i follow instantly in, sorry interesting groups on facebook that post video about uh, how a monk died consciously it's a four minute video just a group of monks around it sitting this monk is just there is nothing you can't see the funny thing about those things and funny thing about a person meditating right it's boring to the viewers because nothing is happening yeah, yeah. right so you can't literally like get anything out of it but for me watching those videos makes me more uh, courageous or uh, more disciplined towards my practice because ultimately i realize intellectually i cannot do the, that final part let go of this body which is mm-hmm. intellect is part of the body so in order to do that i need to have a practice beyond intellectual understanding yeah so, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I have enough time to work on myself. <laughs> man, wrong. I love it, man. We're we almost did three hours right here. It's I it's know. such a fun conversation. I, I don't I, I feel real thankful for it, man. I um I would I could probably talk to you for another hour and a half if I didn't have some things I gotta handle right now. But uh what so w- before we go, what is there anything you got coming up and where can people find you and what are you excited about? You can find me on LinkedIn. But uh, as I said, I've just become too selfish, caught up in this body to work on my things first. So I do not have anything that I don't believe at this point that 
at least given my way things have happened i don't personally believe we can help other people unless there is this you know so i see it could change six months later i could have something you know up and going so i could write a book at but given the state of mind right now all i can tell you is it just like to go and sit and meditate and then have these conversations you know with you with a couple of friends and uh, there was another guy darian who invited me to his podcast for uh, we were talking about cultural issues right what barriers are there and um i got his contact through randall who released his book triumph over trauma on 23rd so so those things i want to do like i want to yeah. share my story i want to share this thing like even if it there is one person who thinks i just needed to hear this to give myself more time before i form judgments about how depressed i am right because that that what suffering we are going through it's the key to our liberation right yeah. so instead of classifying it and pushing it down or trying to get it fixed with some temporary methods we can go deeper into it so with the conversation lead us leads us both to do a work in our lives and share this out there you never know what happens but that's it from my side yeah that's all i got too and i i'm real thankful it's it's always a blessing and i i feel like i walk away with a lot of um interesting things to think about and and sometimes i feel like i learn more about myself talking to you <laughs> so thank you for that see krishna who shares what he says there is nothing more happening in this world than like the whole world is a mirror for us to see ourselves yeah. the same happens thing happens that's so true it's yeah. so true and it, we're back to krishna marty where you're just, you're projecting and if you know if you can embrace that and, and maybe it's a selfish thing to do but if you can embrace that then everybody you meet becomes a teacher to help you understand the world that you see that you live in and becomes pretty beautiful this goes so. to the ramdas quote when you know how to listen everybody is the guru <laughs> yeah. that's so true man it's yeah. so true well that's what we got for today ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for hanging out oh you know what before we go ronga let's you got a few more seconds i want to go through some of these um some of it, what everybody said right here let's go through um yeah let's see okay here's the first one this one comes from our friend stacy fordice who's hanging out in valley center probably She says that she's out doing some chores, hanging out with. She's got a bunch of emus this girl, and she's always wow. meditating while picking up. Poop. What a great place to meditate, right? Like being around some animals or What what kind of what kind of meditation would you give to somebody who is lucky enough to be out on a farm and has a beautiful family? What would you have to say to her, Ranga? Hey, there is nothing. This comment is self-satisfying. Like nothing more else to do. If you're there while picking poop, That's all. <laughs> right? Like I have the hesitation to go pick up poop in my backyard with uh, these three dogs, and like you know, you clean it three days later, it's like minefield. So hesitation <laughs> is there, but once I go and I see that it's not, it's an effortless activity, and I'm not even doing it. I just have to be there. And let's say if it's summer and the poop gets more stinky, more opportunity to stay <laughs> equanimous. I feel like one of the things about meditation is. you stay who you are without being affected by the thing right so when we do all these manageable uncomfortable things right where your state of mind is still with you right you do thing and there is there is no classification everything can be meditation so what can i say that's it that's <laughs> yeah. enough all right let's see what benjamin has for us here 
Attaching thoughts to sounds, music seems to be a strong tether to anchor ideas. Under, yeah, I like this one. Under, I had some. I, I, it's pretty good, right? Like we, you, you had yeah. spoken about previously how you've been using music sometimes to in your meditations to think about things, but you can use you know music or sounds or vocals or drums, especially just to anchor different emotions and to carry them with you when you feel anxiety or something like that. Hundred percent. Like what, what songs I listen to on psychedelic trips, when I listen to them, the thing is that the beauty about this that I've discovered in the last month or so is that the song don't necessarily put you into the state of mind that you were while, but it reminds you of that, that it reminds you to do a practice that gets you there. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like you listen to the song and you're like, yeah, I'm there. There will be a lot of barriers. I still think it doesn't happen easily. But just getting that wake-up call from a song which is you're yeah. playing, that is that is beautiful. Like to have that anchor point to remind yourself, okay. I know yeah. the state of awareness I was there. So yeah. And sometimes it's it's when you've done that enough, it's yeah. weird. It's almost like the world's calling to you because you can be in a state of anxiety or starting to get frustrated. And then that song comes on and boom, you're like, oh man, it's the world telling me I should relax right now. You know? Yeah. It's funny to think about how that, how that works. What else does he got for us here? Me- mechanistically. Wait, am I saying that right? Yeah. Mechanistically trauma seems to be about completing broken loops. Those loops are the collection of synaptic firings. It would seem intent plays a role, but there is also the mechanism of things. I think that this is about the idea of... Um, I think it's about what I said about everything. Yeah. So everyone is traumatized. <laughs> it's, it's true. Again, when this is when, when he says about synaptic firing, right? we go to the baser level, right? fundamental level. We're not talking at a, a collection of the neurons. We're trying to go at the individual level where there are no emotions. There is just on and off mechanism, ones and zeros, right? Firing or not firing. And in that sense, yeah, it's it's just that I, I still don't understand what he meant to say by it would seem intent plays a role, but there is also the mechanism of things. No, what this intently I believe is trying to traumatize other people. It's I don't know. That's what I get. I, yeah. You know yeah. I, yeah. Maybe he's talking about the, um, the idea of the iris or your your pupils being dilated so much and then so you're just seeing like the firing in there and so the intention might not be there hmm. like that was earlier on in the in the conversation yeah and then let's see and then this one is a good one to this is this is just typical it's- Benjamin C. George right here. And I think it sums it up nicely. And thank you, Ben. Yeah. And thank you, Stacy, And thank you for everybody that's, that's that took a few moments to be with us today. Embrace the journey for the journey is the reward. I think that's a great place to leave it right there. Yes. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I had a phenomenal time and um, we'll be back again soon. Aloha.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.